We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome in to this edition of the MPW Digital Post Game Show. I'm Chase Parm. Ole Miss 35, Tulsa 27. Much closer than most people expected. Tulsa getting the ball multiple times there in the fourth quarter to potentially go down, drive, and tie the game with a two-point conversion. Never got overly close to it. Didn't have that level of uh, intrigue down the stretch, but plenty of things to talk about, plenty of things for Ole Miss to fix prior to uh, Kentucky next week. Ole Miss has made it to Kentucky week. They are 4-0. That was the objective. They got there. It wasn't the best way to get there, but they are there. Appreciate everybody joining us here. As always, this will be a podcast tomorrow. I will load that uh, probably pretty early for that. You'll talk to we're going to talk to uh, our normal cast of characters. We'll take your calls here today as uh, as well. But I tell you what, I'm going to go ahead and get Jeffrey on. He does not have long. He is still uh, in the middle of some uh, some Saturday night social stuff here the last couple of weeks. So let me go ahead and get him. We'll uh, discuss and then Neil will tell me when he's ready. We'll talk to Brian and again we'll take your calls. So uh, thanks for joining us. We'll dissect all of. Uh, Ole Miss 35, Tulsa 27. Yeah, just uh, a, a, a lot of stuff here to go over in in this one. So a uh, little different thing, jumping into the calls a little quicker, but let me get uh, get Jeffrey on the line for uh, for this one. Good evening. Jeffrey, I know you don't have long. Let's dive right into it. Ole Miss winning this thing 35-27. I, I, I was sitting here, and for the few minutes before I started the show – I was trying to debate how much of these things are problems, how much of these things are looking ahead. Are we giving a different level of, of look-ahead credit to Ole Miss and other teams? Where do you sort of dissect this thing moving into next week in Kentucky? Yeah, I, the way that I look at it is they just need a real game, man. Like, you know, I, I know everyone goes, well, these are real games. Have you seen – have you seen a performance that you go, man, that looks like a team that's, like, fired up, ready to go? Like, they need next week's game, man. Like, that's just kind of how I, how I view it. Like, I thought in the first half they came out, like, in all three home games, don't you feel like they've come out in the second – well, I guess 
who know who knows in the Central Arkansas one because what what did it matter? Sure. But in the other two home games, the other two home games, I think it's I think it's noteworthy that you know the crowd leaves, and I, for the record, that's not me blaming the crowd or whatnot. They're doing what everyone would leave, but the crowd leaves and the game gets flat. You're right. I agree with that completely. I mean, do you, do, you, do you disagree with that? No, no, no. I don't. I guess what I'm trying to say is, I, and I think that is what I'm. I wrote that at the start of my observations. I said, look, you can't talk about you know Arkansas, Missouri State, and that being close. But go, yeah, whatever. Or Kentucky and whomever you know, who they played, and they kind of scuffled a little bit. And Ole Miss. It's the same sort of principle. It's just that again, as you said, we're four weeks into this thing, and Ole Miss still really hasn't played a game, and it's going to get real very fast next week. I guess more my thing is I went into this week, and I didn't think Tulsa would show this to us, but no one had tried to run right at Ole Miss. And Tulsa's ability to kind of run right at Ole Miss, I know it wasn't the game plan. I know it caught Ole Miss off guard considering what Tulsa typically has done this season. But when you're talking about matchups in Kentucky next week and things moving ahead, I just sort of wonder, and I throw this big question mark up there on, when teams go right down downhill at the Rebels, is it simply a problem or was today an anomaly in some way? Well, um, I don't know. I, so for me, one thing that I thought was interesting is I feel like this is the first game that their defensive line hasn't really controlled the line of scrimmage. And so the question for me is, is that because Tulsa is so much better than the team? Tulsa is so much better than the team that they've played, or is it, is it, you know, emblematic of hey, they they were not expecting they were not expecting what Tulsa wound up doing, so they end up looking at a position. You know what I mean? Like I, that that's kind of a question for me. Well, and it's, it's exactly what happened in a lot of ways. I mean, you look at it coming in. Tulsa had thrown the ball seventy percent of the time. You knew that Brynn was going to be a statue in the pocket. You were just going to have to play defense, make sure you tackle. And then the Braxton kid could really I mean, move around. Me, he forced me, a lot of things. Well, he completely the changed bigger, their game plan. It did, but I don't know, man. I I kept thinking, man, Memphis is, or Ole Miss is really lucky that, that Brynn is knocked out. Oh, really? Yeah. And see, I think I went yeah, the other way because I thought the other kid had enough of the dynamic that hurts Ole Miss that he could extend plays. I actually thought Ole Miss was in better shape when somebody just stood back there and threw it. See, I thought I thought as the game went on, the DBs the DBs were getting more and more tired, and I, you know, I, I think there were throws for Braxton to make, but he couldn't make them. Now, to your point, maybe some of those throws were there to be made because. Ole Miss was having to account for his legs. Yeah, well, and they struggled doing that. I mean, it was a it was a tackling nightmare for Ole Miss today. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I really struggle. I really struggle to put too much positive or too much negative into what we've seen for the first four games because, to me, it just feels like, all right, man, let's find out next week. And I think next week is the first test we're going to actually learn something about Ole Miss. Because in the first half, I felt like Jackson was starting to look a little more comfortable, a little more confident. And I was like, okay, let's see if he can get into a rhythm. And then it just felt like they went to the half and it just kind of, it was another like black, stale kind of whatever second half. 
overall on dart what'd you kind of think today and what did you think of not necessarily scrambles but so many design runs where they just wanted him to carry the football what what would be some of the schematic reasons to go that route versus more running back carries there in the second half uh have you seen how many guys were following their running back oh sure no i know i mean i know it was open i'm just saying you probably don't want to do that every week i mean the re- oh no, no no but i mean i think that kind of shows they were just trying to get out of there you know what i mean like in the end, when, when those running backs go one direction, everyone flows with them, and that's why Dart was able to – what did he finish with? Probably like 115 yards rushing? I don't know that he got that high, but, yeah, I mean, a hell of a day either way. I mean, he was at – he was at – he was close to 100 before the last drive, and the last drive he had what? I mean, he had, he had to be close yeah, you, to – You're actually exactly right. Thir- 13 for 116. Yeah. Yeah, because I was just doing the numbers. I think he was, like, right at, like, 102. He was at, like, 102 uh, right before the last drive. So, I mean, you know, I, 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 don't, I guess the thing is, I, I, I understand why fans can get frustrated and whatnot, but, like, to me the reality is we are just dealing in an entirely different, a different world of college football in which – We've seen a team play four games. I think we all think this team has the ability to be pretty good, but I just I don't feel confident one way or the other. Like to me, you could tell me this team goes ten and two, and I buy it. You could tell me this team ends up eight and four, and I buy it. What will determine it for you? Uh, I mean, a couple of the questions are which teams wind up quitting. Okay. Um, I mean, the season's going to boil down to, you know, does Auburn fall apart um, or is Auburn able to keep it together enough for when they play Ole Miss? Um, What does LSU look like by the time Ole Miss gets to them? Um, You know, uh, I mean, I I know everyone wants to – to, I, the the strangest thing to me is, I guess we watched a different Mississippi State LSU game. I watched a close football game that State let get away, and everyone else seemed to watch some game where it's like, okay, let's write them off. Like I, I don't. That was a weird reaction. Like including like you and Neil, I felt like mm-hmm. I felt like y'all are like y'all are out on them, and I just I don't see that yet. I, I saw thought that missed. Go ahead, finish. I saw a team that missed a lot of opportunities in the first half to to make that a much worse game, and and that's and they did it, and then they let LSU hang around, and then Saturday night Tiger Stadium happened. I guess on that game, I thought that LSU did a better job of executing the thing that you just have to at Mississippi State, which is tackle, force third and medium, some third and longs, and that. Because State is so one-dimensional in the aspect of they don't really have another plan beyond that type of passing that they bog down and they struggle to score. And that, for the most part, that does happen against middle of the te- you know, up, upper middle and, and upper tier SEC teams. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I still look at it and see, like, yeah. they, had, they had eight drops last week. Mm-hmm. And if they only have four drops, that entire first half is different. And I'm not... You know, if in bust or candy and nuts, we don't have a Merry Christmas. But, like, I I don't know. I just thought that was a really quick write-off. I, I, I guess the bigger deal for me is I think every team from three through eight or nine, 
I think they're all pretty similar, and it's going to matter who has a good day. Ole Miss offensively, receivers, is it simply the way the game plan is running out? Are they not getting separations or anybody you like? Do they need more? How do you sort of evaluate that group as a whole right now? Well, I think the problem is for them is so much of what they're trying to get out of their offense right now is the R part of the RPO. And mm-hmm. so I think they're so worried about making sure they, that Dart makes the right read on the run part first that I feel like the passing game is kind of becoming an afterthought. And so it's just not really – it's not fair to me to criticize them. It doesn't seem to me like that they're working that they're working heavily on the passing part. Next week, do we see a completely different offense than we've seen through four weeks from a schematic standpoint? I certainly think you'll see wrinkles that you haven't seen thus far. I think I think you'll see a few, and I think there's an element for Ole Miss of holding a few things back, and I, I think we'll see a few things that we haven't seen thus far. I, I, at least that's my expectation. It's a big game, man. You know, the reality is, the reality is, it it hasn't. I'm not saying it will, but it it could end up deciding who winds up being the third team out of the SEC. Like we could look up in November, and that game decides which team is going to be third in the SEC. Did you have money on it, or who did you find yourself pulling for in Missouri and Auburn in that shit show this morning? I had the under. Oh, well, you were golden the whole time, then. Well, no, not when it went to overtime. The only way you can lose that game is if that thing goes to overtime and then you start to get some bullshit. And at that point, anything could have happened. In that, in, in Correct. that slobber knocker. Correct. I mean, Auburn... I mean, I wound up... Go ahead. No, I was saying, like, I think I wound up wanting... Auburn to win because I think it's funny when they're having to do this week-to-week thing of what they think about their coach. That's what I was going to say is they're in a point where they were more pissed off to win than anybody else would have been to lose, which is a bad place Correct. to play. We, we, we've seen programs there before. It does not work out. Well, my question is, is if you're literally just waiting for him to lose a game to fire him, why don't you just go ahead and fire him? It doesn't make, that's never made sense to me. Like, what, what other profession do you, are you sitting there? Like, I don't know. Like, it's just so weird to me. It's like either you think this guy can do the job or he can't. Like, the idea of waiting around and, like, we need him to lose this game so we can fire him. It's like, then just go ahead and fire him. They are so – you always want the buyout to go down. You're always hoping against hope that it – like because that's the thing. Like, Auburn has no prayer of being good. It is literally – are they going to be mediocre enough to tread water? That's it. Hey. All right, you're, I, I got to go. You're yeah, you're started. good. All right. All right, all right. <laughs> Jeffrey was running short on time there, so I appreciate him uh, him giving us a uh, a few minutes. We will uh, we'll go to Brian in a couple minutes. Uh, give me one second to tell him kind of what's going on. Um, again, the show was a little thrown off tonight from a couple different things, but it's okay. I'm just kind of hanging out. Arkansas up 14-0 on Texas A&M right now. A&M appeared to be driving last that I saw, so we're keeping eyes on that game. 
I'm seeing in the thread Georgia Rebels saying Iowa up 7-3 because of a pick six. That is a very own brand there for the um, for the Hawkeyes. What else is anybody watching tonight? What are we doing? Yeah, you, you guys got to chill out a little bit. The Kentucky's going to kill Ole Miss because of the way this game went today. That's not accurate. Get off the ledge. Kentucky may win the game, but it's not going to be all because of what today looks like. You know, it's what I told Jeffrey. It's what I wrote. Was it pretty? No. Do I have concerns about Ole Miss's front with teams that run downhill at them? Yes. Steven Anderson for Tulsa had a really good day breaking tackles and running at Ole Miss. Ole Miss had its worst tackling game, definitely of the year, but I guess probably at least since Arkansas last season. Um, I, I put in observations that Ole Miss only missed four tackles last week against Georgia Tech. That was the fewest of the Lane Kiffin era, and that went completely the other way today. Ole Miss did not look as as, as well coached today. They were not in the right place. They didn't finish tackles. I mean, it was it was ugly. But again, you can't sit here and give everybody else a pass on the bad on on the bad games. I mean, Florida barely beat South Florida last week and looked like hell doing it. You know, you've got Arkansas, Missouri State that was a really, really whatever game. You can't do all that in one direction and then go, oh no, this defines Ole Miss's season and they're for sure going to get beat, get hammered by Kentucky because of the way this game went. It just doesn't work like that. College football, as we're seeing, is so week to week in matchups. It, Evans did appear to come out um, on his own accord. So, yes, he did look a little banged up. Jackson Dart was definitely favoring that left hand. I don't know to what extent. It didn't affect. It didn't seem to be affecting his play, but he was definitely uh, holding that, that left hand. Um, Otis Reese is out for the first half against Kentucky on a targeting call that, again, I guess by the rule is correct, but they have got to rewrite these things a little bit because the biggest takeaway for me from the targeting thing is that they are do, giving no allowances for receivers dropping into contact. It happened with Troy Brown last week. It happened to an extent with, with Otis Reese today that if a receiver is protecting himself and ducks into contact, they are calling that forcible contact to the head area. And that just makes no sense. It, it really, really defies logic for me that a receiver can move into a targeting call, unless they are jumping and falling down. You know, that, that's the thing. I mean, because that's the thing. that they've, Somebody says Otis laid with the shoulder, but they're, they've changed these targeting calls now to where it is forcible contact to the head or neck area. It's not just crown launching anymore. So it's a, it's, it, it's a bad, it's a bad rule from that standpoint. It, it needs to be, need to be cleaned up. They, they have got to find ways to change the calls where if receivers duck into contact without simply falling, if they, if they brace themselves into contact, that should not be targeting. If that's, if that's all it is. Um, yeah, that's my biggest problem. Pegues out, Coleman out was a, certainly a uh, a factor today. There's no doubt about that. Seeing that in the stream, yeah, I mean, hundred percent. I mean, that was that was a huge, huge, huge thing. Um, I don't know how many injuries, but there was definitely some guys banged up. I mean, we'll, we, we, you know, until we know, we'll hear maybe hear some stuff tomorrow. Anything we get from. Lane on Monday, but I don't know that tons of them were big or guys are out for weeks or anything, but it was nagging stuff that definitely cost plays. I'll be curious at snap counts when they get 
corrected on Monday. Again, I know they go out tomorrow, but Monday is when we put snap counts out because they have to go in and fix those things. You are noticing a little more. I expected more defensive line depth at this point. Um, I did. That was sort of a talking point of fall camp, and I, you know I hate when that happens. It's not, it's not necessarily blaming media or blaming coaches or blaming anybody else, but you do see a lot of situations where we talk about, oh, this guy and this guy and all this different stuff, and then they don't play. So you know it's it, it's a little frustrating from a coverage standpoint because we believe we know one thing and it goes kind of completely the other, the opposite direction. Um, get Brian on in a minute before we do that. I wanted to look at look at stats because yeah, I was not aware that that Dart was up to uh, 116 yards rushing. That was quite the day. So say let's got stats up. Yeah, Jackson Dart. He goes 13 for 24, 154 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. I mean, he did protect the football for the most part. I mean. You know, that's the irony of it. He's not hitting the big plays that we kind of thought he would do for maybe a multitude of reasons, but he has protected the football for the most part. Um, Judkins, just another huge day. He gets 27 carries, 140 yards, two touchdowns. His longest went for 24. Dart, as, uh, as Jeffrey said, ends up going 13 for 116. Looked very kind of Matt Corralish today, even though I'm, I'm – I'm, getting tired and mad at myself for that that comparison. But the way he did, you know, look, he's got to quit the shim of the shoulder stuff or at least pick better times. The the first series against Tulsa is not the time to to drop your shoulder and go that route. But nonetheless, he, he ran extremely hard and in some ways kind of won the game today because they were keying on the running backs. They left open that quarterback run, and they left it open to the extent that he took advantage of it and that moved the chains and scored points early in the game when it was very, very critical. I mean, it, you, you can easily make an argument that if Jackson Dart had a little less ability to run or want to run, that Ole Miss potentially loses that game today. There's no doubt about that. Um, he took shot after shot after shot and just kind of kept calling his own number and being good with it. Before Evans left the game, 10 carries, 48 yards, he scored one himself. So, yeah, you I mean, you can see – Bentley doesn't get a carry at all today, and then you can see Judkins' workload going up so much given Evans' absence once he came out. I mean, again, 27 carries for Quinshaw and Judkins today. He turns that into 140 yards. Receiving Malik Heath, four for 75. He got a score. Seven total uh, targets, four catches and seven targets for Heath. Mingo gets three catches, 54, six targets for Mingo. No, five targets for Mingo. Five for Trigg, five for Watkins, three and two on those catches. And then Judkins, one catch, five yards for him. Uh, Watkins had the couple muff punts, or at least the drop ones. I guess they weren't given away. But he he, he fumbled a couple punts. They put Mingo back after that. So kind of curious to see what happens from, from that standpoint of they – they leave they, – they go back to Watkins if they leave Mingo in there because – Muffing, muffing a punt will absolutely get you beat in SEC play. Yeah, all the some of the runs were designed outside with Judkins, but they were on keepers and reads from um, from Dart. Yeah, Bentley's been banged up too. I mean, they are they are having a little bit of a running back issue to the point that again, this is an if. This is seven thirteen p.m. I haven't heard Lane. Y'all know more than I do from an end of game standpoint because I'm always getting this thing ready and getting started. If Evans is out for any considerable amount of time at all, it does make you at least wonder a little bit about Bullock. 
if Bentley is out too. I mean, Ole Miss has to have more than run, one running back um, ready to go, even though their one running back is Quinshawn Jenkins. Yeah, look, Ole Miss played rusty. They were they were flat. Um, yeah, those are the only wide receivers that were targeted. There were only three wide receivers targeted. There was a lot of clogging in the middle of the field, I thought. Tulsa clearly was trying to take away the slot receivers to the middle, and then they were trying to take away the run game. Yeah, I mean, I know Woodward's on the roster, but I, I'll i be a little surprised if he gets considerable carries in the SEC. I mean, he's a hell of a fifth back or whatever it is we're talking about. Um, Hudson Wolf still injured. I really don't that's, – that's been a lengthy process. I don't – I don't know any major details there, but yeah, his 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 back is a is a problem. I'm I've I've not heard a ton of optimism regarding that, which I, I hate. Um, Chase, do you think Tulsa could beat some SEC teams? I mean, on the right day, sure. I mean, I, they're they're fine. They're not bad. Now, look, Ole Miss should have scored more than thirty five points. Their defense is very susceptible. I don't like Tulsa's defense for the most part. But their offensive scheme is really good. I thought their I thought their coordinator did a really good job with his plan with Bran and with his plan from Braxton, depending on what was going on. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean I I thought I thought he did a really, really nice job today. And then Ole Miss bogged down in the second half. I mean they really did. They that they just they did not have much energy from that standpoint. Call Brian now, get him on, and then I will uh Probably hear from Neil before too long. I, I talked to him right before we started the show. He was getting a few things done. He had a column already ready, and then uh, was going to be in a spot to uh, to get that done. So we'll get to Neil whenever he he, he gets a time to uh, to come on with us and be done. Yeah, look, I mean, I hope not on Hudson Wolf. I mean, I, hopefully he plays, but we you know we'll check periodically and kind of see what's going on, and we just don't hear a ton of uh, a ton of positives there. Are you guys all watching Arkansas A&M, or is there something more intriguing on? I see Kentucky only up on Northern Illinois 14-7 right now. No, look, there is a there is a definite fun aspect of what happened to Auburn today from the standpoint of they are stuck with him. They are mad that they won. They're not getting any ammunition sitting there to get rid of Harson. They will eventually because they're not going to win many games the rest of the way. But that was sort of perfect because Drinkwitz deserved to win that game, I mean, to lose that game for taking the knee, missing the field goal and all there at the end of the uh, the first half or the end of regulation. And then for it to end like that, I mean, it, just, it, was, it was a comedy of errors. But it sort of went the way you would want to make Auburn have to eat a win that they uh, – didn't deserve. I mean, guys, I, I get the, NI, the NIU thing, but frankly, you're probably better off wanting Kentucky just to win. It's not like it's going to change Kentucky's deal next week, and when if you if you beat them, you want them to be as good as possible. I think it's one of those deals where you're, you're actually pulling for the SEC team in Kentucky right now. I can't imagine what Jay did. I have no idea. I, I know he was being sarcastic on Twitter because he called it a big win over Mizzou. He was clearly trolling his own fan base a little bit. You don't have to pull for Kentucky. I'm just thinking from an optics standpoint, aren't you better off if they if they win? Okay, I mean, it's fine. 
Just my opinion. Ole Miss still in the running for game day next week. I, I don't know if they're getting it, but I know that the ESPN had had it on a on a short list for next week. Although I still assume that Fayetteville for Arkansas and Alabama is the most likely destination should Arkansas hold on and beat A&M. But I think there's a decent chance for sure if A&M wins. I guess you got, is it Clemson NC State next week or is it Wake NC State? Because that would be a that would be a problem too if it's Clemson. But ESPN had planned, still had Ole Miss in the running as of this week, to the point of making sure logistically they had rooms and things necessary for that. They do that with several different teams each uh, each time. Yeah, so Clemson NC State is a problem too. What's up? How you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? Oh, I'm you know talking to people off the ledge, discussing whether this uh, this game was a sign of what's coming from uh, Kentucky next week. I, it, it, it's 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 funny because, and it's all fan bases, but I mean we're seeing this right now. It's the psychology. I mean I do it with the Saints. It's you watch other teams and you figure out ways that they're you know, still okay or they can beat you or whatever and whatever. And then your own team your own team plays like raw hell, like Ole Miss did at times today, and you're trying to find ways while they're not going to get better and they're going to get killed next week against wherever whoever it is they play. It's it, it, you sort of look for the the biggest negative and ride it right after a game like today. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, I, look, we're still in the early stages of just kind of this dramatic change in college football. But if you've noticed, it's there's been weird week to week results, and it's become harder and harder to prognosticate on a week to week basis. And I don't necessarily know what that's due to, but I think this game was an example of that as well. I think this team probably does have real concerns, but I'm just not necessarily sure what I want to put in sharpie or pen about them after this week. Still there, Brian? That sounded like a phone service issue, right? For the people on the stream. He's still there, but it just kind of went, went gone. Let's try him back, see if I can get him. Yeah, it just completely went away. Oh, okay. Yeah. We good. We good to go now, though. All yeah, I, I, I think we're good to go now. I was, you were saying it's hard to prognosticate. You don't know what to, uh, to to do week to week as far as or, or what to put on this team. But at the same time, and I, and I guess I'm harping on this, and I guess I'm asking Jeffrey. I'm asking you. I'm getting ready to ask Neil whenever I do talk to him. So I'm sort of getting some some thoughts out of the way. But Chris Rodriguez comes back for Kentucky next week. If I have a concern for Ole Miss, it remains defensively when teams run right at them. Because I, I get that Tulsa did something completely different. I mean, they came in, they were 70% pass. Today, they might have been close to 70% run. I'd have to do some quick math really quick. But at the same time, Ole Miss has got to get a little better from a front seven, front whatever you want to call it, run-stopping situation 
when teams line up in some sort of power move and just run right at them. Yeah, I'm with you there, and you can flip it to the other line too, which I'm sure we'll get in there in a second. But, yeah, I, I am with you on that, and that was kind of the concern coming into the year. Um, and, again, it's hard to tell much from this game, but I do think real questions remain about that defense. I mean, look, we're going to learn a ton about them next week. Like, that's going to be the ultimate prove-it week because not only is it a huge game, but as you just alluded to, Kentucky's probably going to try to – like, going to be able to expose whatever perceived weaknesses. It's a weird matchup in that sense, and I think we'll learn a lot about them. But I'm with you on that as well. Um, I don't necessarily know what to make of, like, what Tulsa did to them today, but I still do have concerns, particularly on the interior offensive line and at linebacker because they had to replace two really good ones. So – I think we'll find out really next week kind of what they are actually against a team that can really stand up and run at them. Because if you look at the second half of their schedule, you know, even the teams that aren't very good are going to do that. Like there's a lot of teams that are built that way, whether it's A&M, Alabama can try to do it if they want to. And I think we'll learn a lot about them against next, next week against Kentucky. You were pivoting talking about the offensive line and needing to see things from them. Well, I don't think it's been great. They're, it's so weird. They're a competent run team, but the past, some of the pass blocking stuff hasn't been terrific through four games. Are, do you see the same thing? No, it hasn't. I mean, it, it, and it's – I just don't And know. you lose Caleb Warren today, too, the injury, too, right? Right, yeah. And, you know, we, we talked about the whole time that Caleb has had some issues with snaps, but there have been even more issues kind of behind him. So, in a lot of ways, I mean, Caleb is very critical from – from from a center standpoint, so you don't know what that looks like. That thrust Brooks into more role today. Um, he played more. I don't. I, I don't know. Yeah, A and M has botched the PAT, so it is fourteen thirteen Arkansas after A and M has a hell of a play, but then A and M can't tie it because they screw up an extra point. Um, I I guess I'm almost shifting a little by, after listening to Jeffrey and talking it out with you, seeing comments in the stream. We just don't know. Ole Miss has played four games where even today, I get that Tulsa got the ball two, three times down by eight, had a chance to go down, tie it, force overtime, all that kind of stuff. But I don't really think there was any moment where I thought Ole Miss was losing the football game. I thought that it was going to be ugly. I thought they were flat. I thought all these things were going on. But I never thought they are losing. So they haven't thought that through four games. I mean, they we, we said – Something would have to be go horribly wrong for them not to get to four and zero. They four and zero for the first time since what twenty fifteen, um, and they've they, they, they've done that. Um, they they have executed and gotten to that point as long as they got out relatively healthy today. Then they did their job. I mean, there's things to fix, but there's nothing that is just shocking to anybody in a negative way. I don't feel like uh, you know because I did. I thought I thought today was a fairly significant day. For Jackson Dart. I know I know because he didn't go twenty for twenty-eight for two ninety-two and three that there's all these different, you know, criticisms necessarily. But the whole time with Jackson Dart, the whole time at camp, he was overthrowing some receivers, he was throwing it to the other team, and everybody said, Hey, he can't turn the ball over. He's gotta he's just gotta find ways to win games and he can't give games away. Jackson Dart won that game for Ole Miss today, he and Quinshawn Judkins. Dart ran, he was tough. He frankly got abused a little on some on some short and intermediate throws. He got abused with some drops and things that should have been better off. And he just played a fairly complete game from that way. Now look, he underthrew a couple long balls. I almost wonder if his you know he's trying to avoid the overthrow and underthrowing a little bit because we saw that on some, on some different passes down the field. But 
on a just get out of there from a win standpoint, I thought Dart played well today. I think he probably matured and grew up a little bit today. I mean, there was a lot of things about that game where he sort of just had to do what he had to do to win a football game. I'm seeing here now Lane finally said in the postgame that, that Altmaier is the backup. I guess that means he said that Dart's the starter. I don't know. Um, Tyler wow, says, I'm just dropping news bombs. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that couldn't have been done on Monday, right? But no, yeah, sure. so I'm with you on this, though. Like, the, like remember the Vanderbilt game last year, right, five days before the Egg Bowl? And they slept walk through that game, and it didn't end up meeting a whole lot because they played a pretty good Egg Bowl game for about three and a half quarters there. Like, I don't know if that this team has earned the benefit of the doubt yet to assume it's, you know, something like that. But you got to think about where this game, like where it was in this spot on the schedule, right? Like you just come off, you blow the doors off Georgia Tech. You've got a huge game next week. So it's an early-ish game against an opponent that you probably didn't prep for the same way you prep for against an SEC opponent. And you just, I'm sure the crowd was probably about half full, you know, two and a half quarters into this game. And you just kind of slept walk through it. So, you know, I, I didn't I mean you kind of alluded to it a second ago, but like I didn't necessarily want to go there because it doesn't make like great content. But like I still don't know much about this team. I don't know what I believe about them. I think they could stink, but I also think they could be pretty good. And I don't know what we've learned about them through four games. And then you bring up the dart aspect of it too. I completely agree. Um, you know, if nothing else, if the numbers aren't going to show it, if nothing else, I thought he was more decisive today. It looked like he was more comfortable in what he was trying to do on a down by down basis. If that makes any sense at all, I, again, it's not going to blow you away, but he made a couple really good throws. And to your point, he and an 18-year-old freshman, Judkins, kind of had to win that game for them in the second half. He was he was as mature as I have seen him in all aspects. I mean, it's, it's mentioned here in the stream from, from Zarek that, you know, even just the slides and not going out of bounds there at the end and managing his emotions and just sort of operating the offense. He played – inside the offense as well as he has all season. Now, again, they've got to stretch the field a little bit, whether they've got to scheme it or do these other things. It's the most startling negative. Well, there's two. The offensive line, as you said, in pass blocking because Dart is having to move too much. It makes it harder to keep your eyes downfield. It makes it harder to throw things beyond the short and intermediate and the second and third reads and all those things. So pass blocking has to get better and probably be schemed out of a little bit, which causes some other you know inefficiencies in, some different, in different ways. But at the same time, it's that you would think as well as Ole Miss is running the football, there would be more downfield passing opportunities. And they just haven't necessarily been yeah. there. And is that because they don't have time because of the pass blocking? Is that because wide receivers aren't getting separation? Is that because Dart is reading different things and throwing the, the shorter stuff instead? Look, there's no way for us to know that without a coach answering that question. It's probably a little bit of all three in some different ways. But – that is probably the thing to me that says what is what will elevate this offense. It's this. It's to find ways to take the run game that is so successful and consolidate that into a passing game that does have more downfield potential. Because you know, look, they had a thirty-one yarder and a thirty-yarder today, but that was Malik Heath on the really good throw from Dart down the sideline for the touchdown. And then that was Mingo, who just sort of made a lot of things happen with his feet and was not a ball that was actually thrown very far down the field. So they do – it didn't have to be this crazy take-the-top-off-the-defense deal, but they do have to find ways to to complete passes and get down the field in a way of Dart at least throwing the ball into that 15, 20-yard range before it's called. 
they haven't had a guy had more than four catches in a game. And the only guy that's done it has been Malik Heath twice. There may have been another guy that did a four, a, a, that caught four balls in the Kentucky game that wasn't Malik Heath. But I can't remember off the top of my head. But you think about that. Like, in this modern day and age of college football, and I get these four games have been weird. And, again, you have to preface every bit of what we're talking about with they've played four opponents that haven't really challenged them. Tulsa, I guess, not technically standing on the scoreboard. But from a talent standpoint, but that's that's a little bit alarming, right? I mean, you haven't had a single guy catch more than four passes. That would tell me to some degree that they're not even, there's not no one out there that they want to make it a focal point to get them involved in the game. And, you know, you're used to these old Miss receivers over the last half decade or so, or even beyond that, I guess really the last 10 years, they've always had one guy that kind of made the quarterback better. Like I thought Treadwell made Bo Wallace better. Um, you know, what AJ Brown and DK Metcalf did kind of speaks for itself, right? With Lodge and all of those guys. They don't really have anyone that they seem to make it a focal point to involve in the game. And I get this team's identity is surrounded by running the football, but it's still through four games not to have a guy have more than four catches in a game. No one's making an impact. And I wonder who that becomes. And, you know, they're having that influx at quarterback too, right? I mean, Dart's clearly the starter, but they came into the year with some questions. It doesn't make it any easier when they're both 19-year-old kids that don't have receivers that kind of actively make them better and make up for some of those mistakes. And, you know, you can't fully put the blame on some of the quarterback play on that but I just think it's interesting that you know they have a couple SEC caliber guys I think but there's no one that jumps off the page and thinks okay that's going to help this quarterback immensely it's why I'm still really curious to see exactly what things look like next week in a quote-unquote real game when all week they scheme specifically for Kentucky and anything that's left in your bag of tricks you're going to start seeing more and more and more and more because, you know, we've, we talked about this, headed all the way back to, hell, frankly, was at Tennessee. Kiffin has always found ways to highlight his playmakers and get them the ball in space. That is that is what his offenses are predicated by, is getting the ball to your, the best players and then letting them do something. I mean, it sounds simple, but not everybody does that. I mean, that that is absolutely what has allowed Kiffin to be so, so successful, you know, whether it's Amari Cooper or it's the slew of running backs at Alabama, or it's Elijah Moore, or whatever. Um, we're not seeing that type of thing unless it is becoming Judkins. But even if it's Judkins, they're not necessarily doing a lot of things to get him the ball in different ways. You know what I mean? It, it, it's it's just sort of handing him the rock and letting him go. So I do kind of like the standpoint of what does this look like next week? What does Kiffin, Weiss, however you want to debate how that works – what do they do that is game-specific to get the best players the ball in some different ways? And I think that is something that we still have not seen because they're not going to waste that on Tulsa. They weren't going to waste that on, on Central Arkansas. Weren't going to waste that on, on, on Troy. And then, you know, last week at Georgia Tech, I, multiple people were kind of around the program and told me that the way that Georgia Tech was so bad so early – that they just sort of went, hey, this is whatever, it's all good. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it, right? I mean, that game was over from three minutes on. I mean, I get it wasn't technically over, but, I mean, Georgia Tech a lot of punt block when Ole Miss wasn't in punt, like they were in punt cover. They were in a safe thing. I mean, did you see Steve Cedric Johnson's interview after the game? He just said he started running, and he thought about halfway there, oh, I might get this. And he's like, oh, I did get this. Like, it was a surprise to everyone. And so – that game got so weird early on. Um, you're right. Like they, it's kind of, they felt like they coasted through most of the second half. And 
again, all eyes point toward next week. I'm, I'm completely with you on that. I wonder who they're going to try to get involved and who kind of becomes their guy in space because I think this team can be pretty good if it's really just Zach Evans and Quinshawn Judkins. But if they don't have any sort of vertical passing threat, that's going to limit their ceiling a bit, like tremendously, and I don't think that's any sort of breaking news. But I think they'll at least try someone on the perimeter next week to kind of get them involved, whether it's Michael Trigg, is it Jonathan Mingo? I don't know. I'm kind of curious to find that out because it is the first real game they're going to play. But I'm sure that brings it to the other part of it that we we're going to get to in a second. If Ed Evans leaves the game with a, quote, medical thing, whatever that means. And so they already didn't have Ulysses Bentley. I don't know if they're being super conservative, you know, because it's Tulsa and the spot that they're in. But, I mean, that's concerning in its own right, is it not? Well, yeah, no, it's 100% concerning. I mean, yes, I mean, they, 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 need, they need more running backs. You can't just continue to lose running backs and be fine, even when Judkins is the one. And look, yes, it, it is what they're doing. They're getting, they're getting Evans and Judkins the ball. I mean, yes, that, 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 that is the way they're scheming, but I think there are more ways to scheme that. I, I think there's more to go. There's more things in the tank to, to feature those guys because, look, they are the most talented two players on the field. There's no doubt about that. Zach Evans, Quinshawn Judkins are the two best players period. But there are some different ways to highlight that and, 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 and get it and, and get it going. Um, and I think you will see those things. Look, if you had some truth serum on Lane, he probably would tell you he's frustrated in some extent the way to the, the fact that Jalen Robinson has not gotten involved as much as he has. I think you've gotten what you hope, hope to out of Mingo. I think Heath has done a pretty nice job giving that extra element. I think those guys elevate your run game because of their physicality. I think they do a good job setting edges for the most part when they run wide. But I do think you have to have that extra receiver to do just a little more. Because, yeah, you're not getting much out of Trigg in the passing game. That's not looking like maybe what Ole Miss hoped from a ceiling standpoint. Remember, he's still young, only in his second, only in his second season. But when you look down that list, it's much more what you're talking about as far as Nobody having more than four catches, but it's even beyond that. It's also just they're not getting people in the rhythm of the offense. I thought that Jordan Watkins got into it a little bit last week against Georgia Tech, but he was a little more of a non-factor today. They just don't have that extra element to do something different because Heath and Mingo have a lot of the same skill sets, and it's sort of like a basketball team that's got a bunch of power forwards but doesn't have a lot of flexibility from a lineup standpoint. They, they have got to have, whether it be Watkins or Robinson or Trigg or something, there just has to be this wide receiver that offers up something different, and they're, they're still searching for it. They haven't found a way to either scheme them open into the game or just have somebody emerge that can pull that off. And beyond those guys, what are the other options? I mean, look, I could have missed something here, but Knox, does he just not play? Like, I didn't miss an injury thing, right? You know, beyond those guys you just listed, like, it, it has to come from them because there's, there's really nothing else. I mean, I feel like we heard a decent bit about Knox throughout camp enough to where I thought he would contribute and he's just not playing. Again, I don't know if that's an injury thing. I could have missed something, but you're right. I mean, it's you're seeing who it could be on the field. I just wonder who it turns into. That, Like you mentioned, Trigg hasn't really been as advertised so far. He's super young. Again, it could just take some time, but there's no one that stood out in that regard either. I thought that Watkins and Heath have done quote, you know, kind of a nice job so far, but that's really all you can kind of gather from that I guess to that point and again I think they'll try to do it I just wonder who that becomes next week because again your guess is as good as mine no one has stood out enough and so 
I'm kind of curious to find out because I do think Kentucky will make them you know, be more of a threat in the vertical passing game than they've been through four games. This is It's been a weird start to this year, right? I mean, you've covered Ole Miss a long time. When's the last time they've done the four tune-ups? And I get this wasn't by design. I don't think they thought Georgia Tech would be as bad as they'd be. But, you know, when's the, time, the last time the calendars hit October and you felt like you don't know anything about this team? It's a very bizarre way this schedule's set up. I mean, never, probably. I mean, I definitely can't think of anything off the top of my head. So, no, I mean, it, it's it's the dumbest part of this because we're constantly analyzing everything. Yeah, because well, yeah, we don't know. I mean, because we're, we're looking at it and we go, okay, well, what is Kentucky? Well, at least Kentucky played Florida. Now, look, Anthony Richardson yeah, exactly. was absolute dog shit that day. But they did play them. I mean, you know, it, it's one of those deals where they have a little more sample size. With Ole Miss, I have no idea. And yes, Kentucky is completely sleepwalking through Northern Illinois. A team that Vanderbilt beat by two touchdowns. Kentucky is 14-14 at the half with Northern Illinois right now. I called yeah, some, I mean, that's kind I of called some blowback, Ricky. Like, um, I told the, the stream they would be better off with, with Kentucky winning. You should be rooting for Kentucky right now because if you lose, you don't want to lose to the team that Northern Illinois lost to. Are beat, and then two. If you beat them, you want Kentucky to be as highly ranked as possible because that elevates you when you beat them next week. What is the counter argument to that? There's people that want Kentucky to lose this week. Well, just because Kentucky's an SEC team, there's no reason to I mean to whatever the hell with everybody. One thing if it's Vandy, but like I don't know Northern <laughs> Illinois. I agree. I mean, like I don't think you should put a ton of stock into this, but I, I mean, I do think it would generally be beneficial for Ole Miss if Kentucky did win this week, enter next week undefeated, and obviously. Um, I'm sure they've announced game day at this point, but I mean that game I imagine was on the short list and in the mix, and you know the win will hold up at least for yet. a shorter time. It'll be tomorrow morning. Oh, they haven't? No, that's what I said okay. on the stream. So, I know, I know that they had, they had done some logistical things to put Ole Miss on the short list in case they chose it. But it feels to me, I mean, it's just it's one of three places I would assume unless they're going to be queued. It's it's Alabama, Arkansas, in Fayetteville if Arkansas wins. It's Clemson, NC State. And then it's Ole Miss, Kentucky. Yeah, I think those are the only three options. There was a, Baylor was playing someone had they been undefeated going into that game. I looked at it before the year. I think it's Baylor, Oklahoma State that was an option, but that one completely fell off. But, yeah, no, I mean, I would, I would, I would think you would want Kentucky to win going into that. But again, that kind of just speaks to some of the weird results and some of the weird outcomes you've had on a week to week basis in college football this year. There's you know, I guess I don't have the stats to back this up, but it felt it feels like there has been more of those this year than any other year. And again it comes kind of on the heels of you know a lot of change in college football in terms of how you can build your roster. I just wonder if there's something to that. Now a word from our sponsor Better Help. Sometimes you can be tough to train your brain to stay in problem solving mode and face a challenge in life. When you learn how to find your own solutions, there's no better feeling. A therapist can help you become a better problem solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals, no matter how big or small. I know you got family, friends, great to have people to talk to, but sometimes a therapist is the way to go. There's no preconceived notion. Nobody has their own opinions or emotions tied into the topic. So you get a clean slate and a trained professional to help you through whatever your issues that you uh, like to get over are. So if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and it's entirely online. You can turn the video on or off. You can make it whatever experience you want to make it. You get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey. Switch therapist at any time. So when you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MPW today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash MPW. 
Arkansas 14, Texas A&M 13 at the half. So we've reached halftime there in a pretty close game. And uh, in Dallas, A&M really turned it around. I mean, they they dictated pace pretty good in that second quarter of uh, of that game. I thought that was sort of impressive. It, it feels like they've got some momentum right now. I think I think the half sort of saved Arkansas in a way because that thing was trending in the uh, in the other direction. Ohio State beating the hell out of Wisconsin. That is twenty eight to nothing. Buckeyes right now. Wisconsin down. They're two and one right now. They will be two and two at the end of this. Uh, at the end of this one, and then Vanderbilt's playing Alabama. If anybody cares to uh, cares to watch that, twenty-one to three tied in the second quarter. Um, I guess kind of last couple things. Um, with Dart, he he, we're seeing a more mature Jackson Dart. We're seeing a different Jackson Dart. We do think he needs to do things a little better. I guess my question to you is, from an actual production standpoint, what is sort of, do you believe, is his next stage of development? A game that plays out against a better opponent a little bit more like today, but is more arm-oriented in the sense that, like, can he go win them a game next week at home against Kentucky if they're struggling running the ball, which I imagine they will to some degree more than they have at any point this season just from the sheer uptick in competition – but, like, if, if it's a tight game in the second half, like, can he go win you a game, you know, at home? It's one thing to go do it in Bryant-Denny Stadium, like Chad Kelly did, right, or, you know, a couple of the Bo Wallace twins. But, like, can, is, he, is he an asset enough? Can he go win a game at home in the second half and throw the ball, you know, 16, 17 times in a half and kind of keep drives going when everything else isn't going bad? And I know that's not really, like, a concrete answer from a numbers or a statistics perspective, but I don't think anything about any sort of stats, particularly baseline stats, have told us a whole lot about Dart so far. I mean, nothing's blown it off the page, and he has his flaws, and I think he's had you know, some good moments and some bad moments, but the numbers wouldn't reflect you know, that he's kind of an asset at all. And so I think it's things like that. It's more intangible things, like how much do they trust him too, right? I mean, that they're, they're running the football pretty often because they're having success with it, but I imagine there will come a time where that doesn't happen. And when it does, like how how much do they trust him to throw the football down the field and kind of put a game on his shoulders? I think that's kind of the next step. K State currently beating Oklahoma fourteen to nothing. Wow, they're a pretty good team. I know they had again weird result last week, right? They lose to Tulane, even though Tulane's got a pretty good club. But K State was supposed to be pretty good. They got some votes to kind of flirt with the top of the Big Twelve this year. They have the Martinez kid that played at Nebraska for nine years between him and his brother, like. I think they're pretty good. That kid has got to feel really good to just be out of Lincoln in a place that actually cares and sort of operates in a normal football environment. I would imagine so. I mean, I do. Lincoln this time of year during this season, that doesn't look like a great time. I'd rather be the quarterback anywhere else. What channel is K-State on, people? Oh, I found it. Never mind. Fox. Okay. There's got to be a Fox game. Yeah, it's 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 Fox. I was going to FS1 for some reason. I was like, no, that's not where it. Uh, that's not where it is. Uh, were you shocked that Ole Miss opened as a four-point favorite against Kentucky, or is that about what you would have thought? Hmm, that seems a little steep. But look, I guess you know, home. No, that's not overly surprising. I would have guessed it would have been between two points and a pick'em, but four points. No, that that's not overly shocking because again. I'm not sure how good Florida is, and credit to Kentucky for going down there and winning that game. They have you know, more of a resume win than Ole Miss does at this point, but I don't know if we know how good they are yet. We think they're probably pretty good. So, 
No, I don't think that one shocks me. That's a little higher than I thought, but nothing crazy. Yeah. All right, bud. Enjoy uh, the rest of the night, and we'll uh, we'll talk again next week. Sounds good. Have a good All one. Right. Was Brian Rippy? Just heard from Neil. He uh, he'll be ready for too terribly long, so we'll get him on. Get his thoughts on tonight. Yeah, I flipped over to Oklahoma just in time to see uh, their catch and run and score. So the Sooners are in the end zone. For the first time on the night so yeah we start talking about it they start scoring i mean they're probably going to still win that game i'm just from a fan standpoint all in on uh kansas state deuce vaughn the reason for that yeah attendance did not appear to be very good today i'm just not surprised i mean it's not even necessarily that i'm ignoring it or anything else it's just not it's just not a shock um while we're waiting on Neil, I'll go ahead and throw the phone line up. If anyone wants to call, go ahead and do that. You can uh, check in. Again, Neil will be ready for too long, but the number is up. 662-259-7556 is the phone number. Again, if you'd like to call and uh, and talk about it. Look, the attendance needs to be good next week. I mean, I, I assume Lane will mention it again on Monday. I, and I think I still I still think he's doing it. Because he, in his mind, if that elevates it at all, why not? I mean, I, I think that's that, that's the goal. But, I mean, I, I do think he's going to mention it. I, I, I do. I have no doubts about that. I think it's very possible he mentions it. Who are we talking to? Doing it. Okay. Is this Chase? Yep. Hey, it's Mark from D.C. I've hey, called several times the past couple weeks. But anyway, so two things. Um, I kind of want to talk about the attendance today. Um, I know you, you were just hitting on that, so I just paused my uh, my iPad while you're doing it. I'm watching the A&M game or what. But, I mean, you, you can't blame kids and people not wanting to sit down in 95-degree weather in a game that, I mean, just think of me honestly. I mean, I, was, I went to college at Arkansas State, graduated there, and I went to every single Ole Miss game when I was in college, and I granted my parents were paying for me to go to the games and have to dick with them. But, I mean, games are expensive. Gas is expensive. I mean, you can't go to every single game and expect fan, every fan to show up. I mean, especially when you can sit at home and watch it on TV. I mean, it, it's Tulsa. you got a huge game next week, and you're going to reel off. you got Auburn the following week. Not the following week, but later. Then you have State. You have Alabama. I mean, it's expensive. I mean, and every, I mean, with inflation and everything else, I mean, I get not going to it. And as far as the game, we absolutely just slept, 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 walked through that. Okay. And if you look at the last two, last, look at last year, Liberty was, was before A&M, slept, walked through that, and ended up just pretty much dominating the A&M game. And then Vanderbilt, the week before Mississippi State, slept, walked through that, and pretty much dominated the Mississippi State game. I mean, do we look good? No. I mean, we look absolute like dog crap, but – I mean, they were clearly look at, looking looking forward to, to Kentucky. I mean, look at Georgia today. I mean, heck, Kent State put up twenty two points on Georgia at Georgia. I mean, you. I mean, honestly, think you're going to see a completely different and focused Ole Miss team next week. Uh, I just your, your thought. Uh, two things. One, I'm reading from the stream. Every school in the country almost is having some attendance issues. I mean, Georgia wasn't full today yep. against Kent State. I mean, it's it's. I mean, Tennessee had a hell of an environment, but they were playing Florida and they had game day. I mean, that's not... Yeah, and they hadn't beaten Florida. They beat beaten Florida once in 15 years. 
Yeah, that's a different that's a different deal. The the, the teams that were playing non huge games had fairly empty stadiums. not empty, but not full stadiums today. I mean, relatively, I think it was kind of the same with as Ole Miss had. I just think it's the, yeah. the I think it's the world we're in right now in in a lot of ways. Yeah, next week is going to be a zoo. It is absolutely going to be a zoo. I, yeah, if next week is 52,000, then, yeah, we can get on here and we can bitch about the attendance because it will be completely not justified be. at that point. No, I don't think it will be. I, I think it will be a I'm touch late arriving from a logistical standpoint of getting parked, getting into the stadium, because, you know, when you have to have the passes to get on campus and all those kind of different things. Um, but I think by the middle of the first quarter, it will be pretty – Pretty packed today. Yeah, again, Lawrence was. It's not a good comparison. That's Kansas after they've never won in the world. Um, the student section is in a bad place. Keith knows that it should yeah. never have been moved to where it is. Um, that should be that should be visitors for the most part, and then whatever else it has to be. Um, that just yeah, it just well, see, the visitors used the visitors sit over there. They used to sit over there. They would take half of the north end zone. And then the portion of the the I guess the east side over there would be split between the, the basically split between the goalposts on the right hand side. And that's where they used to go back to that. And right. the student section basically needs to go back to the south end zone. In the south end zone, when I when I was in college before I moved to uh, to, to DC, and granted, I was out of the atmosphere was a lot better than sitting in, having all the students baking out there in the south end zone or north end zone. And then for your other question, yeah, look, I mean, it, it's it's week to week. I mean, the, the the goal in college football, I mean, to to borrow a cliche, is literally just survive in advance. Um, the, it, it's yep. a it's a goofy sport in the most positive, fun way that I can say that. Um. So yeah, it's just it, it's so matchup oriented, it's so week to week oriented. Just just win and move on. I mean, if when Ole Miss goes, whatever they're going to go. There's nobody at the end of the year goes. You know, well, they only beat Tulsa thirty-five to twenty-seven. No, they won the game. They're four and zero. Whatever. If they, yeah, no, nobody says we only. You've beat got Kentucky five, next five, week, and you've points. got time to get there. I mean, it, it is what yep. it is. I mean, it's it's they could beat Kentucky by seventeen or lose by seventeen, and it was probably not anything to do with what happened with Tulsa this week or what Kentucky is currently doing with Northern Illinois because they are absolutely throwing up all over itself right now. Yep, I mean, it's one hundred percent. So, do you have a, I guess, an early, early prediction uh, for next week? I've been leaning slightly to Ole Miss the whole time. Um, now, look, I don't know what that means because my picks suck. But yeah, just my early thought. Now, look, I need to see some health. Is Zach Evans healthy? Is he in or out? Is Corey yeah. Coleman playing? I mean, to me, Coleman. This is crazy to say. Our defense looked a lot different today with Coleman out than than, than we ha- than we have all year. If Pegues and Coleman play, I think I will pick Ole Miss. If Pegues and Coleman don't play, I will be much more likely to pick Kentucky. Do, do you think – because obviously Vegas gets insider information, and they're already putting out an Ole Miss line minus four. If, do, they, do you think they might would know something as far as – I mean, obviously they're not going to know anything with – Well, uh, they don't know anything based Evan. off injuries that happened today. But um, well, Right, yeah, but, but – Big East didn't play. Uh, Bentley didn't play. I mean, there, it, plus, like you said, Coleman didn't play. I mean, those Lane three was being teams. very cautious with Tulsa today. He was not going to risk somebody getting worse or re-injuring in yeah. this game with Kentucky next week. Um, look, 
I think that Kentucky, I think that they like Ole Miss to probably win that game next week. Ole Miss is also riding like a 12-game home winning streak. They haven't lost at home in a while. They've won a lot of damn yeah, games Kentucky, period Kentucky, in a while. And Kentucky typically doesn't play well against SEC West teams. Correct. The so there's lots of those trends, but those trends mean two things. Those trends, number one, mean that maybe that does give a team an advantage. It also means that it potentially sways money in Vegas. And at the end of the day, Vegas' goal is to yep. have 50% on both sides and win the juice. Yep. So it's not necessarily even about who's winning. It's about what is the perception and how do we make the most money off that. Yeah, but that but correct me if I'm wrong, but that's only going to sway a line one or two points. I mean, it's not going to affect it like five. No, sure, points. sure, sure. But I mean, you, you run the risk if you get too much crazy, you know. Yeah, I guess that's my point. I think they they slightly think Ole Miss is going to win the game because that way they lose less money at Ole Miss minus four than if they open this thing at Ole Miss plus two. I mean, you know, Kentucky plus two, and everybody jumps. Well, if that thing opened at Kentucky at plus two, yeah, I'm about to say if that thing opened at plus two, I think a lot of people would be jumping at Ole Miss. Right. Like sure. plus two, Ole Miss opened up as a seven point favorite. I mean, a lot of people would be jumping on Kentucky, but I mean. Ole Miss, and, Ole Miss at minus four. I mean, it'd be interesting to see how it moves either way it, 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 throughout the week. But I mean, that's almost that almost wants me to take Ole Miss just because I mean, heck, a touchdown win. I mean, that's 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 an easy cover. Yeah, no, I agree with you, hundred percent. So. All right, well, I'll hang up and uh, I look forward to, to the rest of the show. All right, thanks. All right, thanks. Still waiting on the word from Neil. So again. Guys, want to jump in? Number up on the screen: six six two two five nine seven five five six. Yeah, look, the, the Tulsa's not a bad team. I, I still contend that the backup quarterback was a worse matchup than the starter for Ole Miss. Now, it also means that Ole Miss needs to get better before they see KJ Jefferson. You know, these running quarterbacks can absolutely hurt Ole Miss with what happened today. They've got to tackle better. I mean, it was a it was a tackling nightmare from the Rebels. I mean, it really was. But I think that the way Bryn was just this statue in the pocket, that that was a better off thing for Ole Miss. I, I, I do. I, I, I 100% contend that the, the backup quarterback was giving Tulsa a better chance than had the starter stayed in. Because Ole Miss had sort of solved that. You know, Tulsa went down, scored the first two times. They go up 14-7. They get the one lead. It's the first time Ole Miss has been behind all season. And then... After that, Ole Miss sort of solved that. They were pretty good the rest of the first half. Um, all the way through Brand leaving the game, Ole Miss, Ole Miss had, had, had figured out the adjustments for that, that point. Um, yeah, and the game's in Fayetteville where Ole Miss does not, does not play well. Oh, that Judkins jumping on that early snap, and, I mean, looking back, that thing was critical as hell. Uh, yes, Jalen Robinson is, is banged up. That is correct. Stacy. yes. I mean, there was a couple times there where either penalties bailed out Ole Miss or the would-be turnovers. Yeah, end of the day, Ole Miss won. Flip back to Arkansas and A&M. The 11 a.m. Yeah, 11 a.m., that's why I said that. It could be the end of the first quarter simply from the standpoint of logistics. If, te- if people don't leave really early, because I was talking to a buddy the other day, too, who said that um, 
the way security is scanning the passes to get on campus and not just at the lots, it's a little different. That's uh, that's a different deal because it, it clogs it up getting on campus and then some of the places where you're getting to your lots and just the way that works. So it if, if you don't leave... 25 to 30 minutes earlier than usual that you would leave for an for a, for a different time game if you're just going to the to the stadium from wherever you are that is going to create a mess on getting into the to getting to your seat you're you're, you're probably going to miss kickoff so i would say mid first late first quarter is when you really get a true sense of what the uh the crowd is Yeah, I just don't see anything they can do to make the game, or anything they will do to make the game quicker. I mean, I just am saying you're right, but it's just what it is. Yes, Miami Ginger absolutely lost to Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee State was wrecking the Hurricanes today. I mean, they were up, what, 24-3 to at one point? At least 17-3. to Yeah, big big day for the Blue Raiders. Kentucky has offensive line issues. Now, the problem is that Ole Miss has defensive line issues. So, you know, six of one, half a dozen the other. There are a certain group of fives that are only going to get better getting the lower – the, the guys who are not happy and transferred from these Power 5 programs. It's not necessarily all Power 5 benefiting, and it's not necessarily Group of 5 all sucking. It, it is, you're going to have the haves and have-nots in the transfer portal from from both sides. You I mean, you've got, you know, the way Ole Miss is retooled, the way Arkansas has done a good job, the way SC's done a good job. You've got those kind of teams. But then you've also got some Group of Top 5 teams that are absolutely plucking some good Power 5 players and, and, and elevating in that in, in 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 that sense. There's a real opportunity there for Who are we talking to? Hey Marv, South Georgia man. Hi Marv, how are you doing? Doing well man, doing well. Uh have a quick question. You know, we talked about, or I listen to y'all talk about, you know, running dart so much. And um, Jeffrey even mentioned, you know, saving some wrinkles or whatever. And, you know, talking about how they were they're really keying in on the running backs. Why didn't we see possibly any more quick slants? They're bringing so many or even putting the running backs in motion. Like, I know they're trying to save wrinkles or whatever. But at a certain point, I mean, dart, he looked like he got jumped or something at the end of the game. I thought that, that we would have seen more, yeah, middle-of-the-field slants. You know, they, they had the one hit that, I guess, Heath dropped there at the mm-hmm. start of the fourth quarter that was on third down that was pretty critical. Um, I just thought Tulsa was sort of almost kind of clogging the middle of the field, whether it be, you know, all rushing toward the running back on those RPOs or, the, or where it be in the passing game. They were sort of just sitting right there in the middle of the field where I thought that Ole Miss missed some opportunities, and that's where I think moving forward from a standpoint of do they have this in their arsenal is that intermediate to deep stuff, you know, 
kind of around the hash marks, you know, middle of the field, kind of out, not just, you know, not don't just throw the fade or whatever toward the sidelines every time, but, you know, over the top of all that congestion in the middle of the field. They just really, they didn't go to that. Um, I yeah. thought they could have done that, backed them off of it, and then you would have had some more slants and, 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 and sort of drags and different things open off the middle. But I felt like Tulsa was just sitting there in the middle of the field waiting for that kind of thing. Um, and then when it was there, Ole Miss didn't execute it very well. Um, they just, I thought, I thought Tulsa, both coordinators had really good plans. Um, it just sort of worked. I mean, because if you're Tulsa, even if you lose, you only give up 35. It could have been much worse. And two, you forced Jackson Dart to carry the ball that damn much. I mean, you forced a quarterback to have to run in a way that Ole Miss probably was not overly comfortable with him doing today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I mean, it was flashbacks of Ed Nealon last year with Matt Corral. I mean, you just thought after one hit, he wasn't going to get up again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and it's the, that's why early on he's got to be much more careful with those shots. I mean, it's the second week in a row that way too early in the game yeah, on drives with the, with at the, the time are not critical. Yeah, dude, he, he's on the left sideline, and he just takes that right shoulder and runs it into a defensive back. Just, no, you you got to quit that crap. Yeah, man. All right, brother. Uh, hey, y'all yeah. be good. Thanks. All right, let's get Neil on the horn, see what he's got to say. I'm going to call him now, so give me one second to, to get that set up. Yeah, it's scheme. I mean, I they they took what Tulsa gave them to a certain extent. They just didn't execute some other ways where that would have 
where it would have worked. I mean, that, 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 that's the bottom line. Ready to bash everything? Say they're going to go three and nine. Talk about the attendance. What are you, what, 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 what are you thinking? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't. Meanwhile, Kentucky I, I, is completely comatose in Lexington tonight. I mean, just 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 well, like rolling let's, over. Let's you, you need to poke them with a stick a little bit. Yeah, let's go here. <laughs> Do you think Georgia's only 16 points better than Kent State? Because I don't. But the Georgia kids are human. Listen, these games, and I'll say this, and I I say this from a fan standpoint, like, I think Lane's wrong when he criticizes the fans tonight. I do. I think Lane's wrong. Did he? Did he? And and I think Lane's a... He was kind of, he was a little, you know, he's a little frustrated, and he he backed off, and then he kind of came back, and it's fine. Look, He's entitled to his opinion as much as anybody else is entitled to his or her opinion, right? Sure. But but let's be real. These games suck. These games between Northern Illinois and Tulsa and Kent State and, I mean, whoever, they suck for the fans. And here's the deal. In 2020, Chase, and, yeah, I'm going to take another shot at COVID so everybody can relax for a minute, but – because of the, all the COVID nonsense, people got an opportunity to experience game day at home, and they said, oh, it's not so bad. And they kind of made a, a decision that, hey, honey, you know, when they play nobody state, let's stay home. And then here's the other thing. Like my son's in Jackson right now playing in a soccer tournament. Played two games today. He's got a game tomorrow at 11. I would venture to guess that's not the only soccer tournament. Mississippi this weekend. I can only imagine how many gazillion baseball tournaments there are in in this state and in the region that we live in this weekend. Dance tournaments uh, or dance things or cheer deals or whatever. Chase, me figure it. Whatever sport you want to name, they got tournaments, golf tournaments. They got stuff going on. People have decisions to make. And I got out and went running today. And when I started my run this morning, it was okay. And by the end of my run, it was pretty hot. Yep. And I thought, I thought, you know what? Ninety degrees out of here. Like when I left my house to go to Vaught Hemingway, in my truck it said ninety-one degrees. And I thought, you know, if you offer me the option between sitting in in a in a uh, cool living room and drinking a cold beer or sweltering in, in ninety-degree heat in aluminum bleachers, I think I know which one I choose. So it is kind of what it is. And so you can't simulate this being some sort of an SEC energy in, in the building. Ole Miss got off to a really good start. Give Tulsa a ton of credit. They kept playing. Ole Miss's offense kind of got stagnant. There were a couple of injuries. Evans got hurt. Um, um, Caleb Warren got hurt. Jalen Robinson really didn't play. There Evans? are some issues. And I'll be, yeah, uh, I'll be happy to talk about issues. We could talk about issues because they have some. There's no question about it. But I just refuse to go litmus test on on Ole Miss based on an outing against uh, Tulsa any more than I'm willing to go, oh, I don't think Georgia's the best team in the country anymore because they slogged around with um, Kent State today or any more, than, any more than we did last week when, you know, I mean, if you remember, I was pretty consistent on this last week when everybody's like, oh, Missouri State gave Arkansas hell. Arkansas sucks. Slow down. 
slow down. That's a that's a leap. It's a big leap. You know, so you just have to be careful with that stuff. So after that, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm happy to have a conversation about where there are some flaws on this football team, and there are some flaws on this football team. I don't know who thought this was going to be a perfect football team. There's way too many new faces, and there's there are some issues on this team that you and I've talked about a little bit. And I think we've talked about it on our podcast and we've written about it and during August and those things. And you saw some of those things today. Speaking of real quick, we'll come back to it in a second. A&M has completely dictated tempo of this game since it was 14, nothing. I mean, they have found a gear that we have not seen from them all season. Yeah. And I think that play, the Jefferson, I guess it was a fumble or whatever yeah, down there, like at the two yard line. I, I, 13 point swing. I, I, yeah, and, and and I saw Pittman just a minute ago say it to uh, the sideline reporter that you know he was really having to to tell his guys, hey, we we still had a lot of football left. That they they were really defeated with the way that 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 half played out. Those are that was an emotional swing play because they're getting ready to go in there and be up twenty one to seven. A and M to their credit, now they've really played on the defensive end, and, and now they look like they've found a little bit with Johnson on offense and. We just got to be careful with these. Just writing the verdicts on football teams in September. The, the, the season is is a long season. There are ups and downs, and and you know plateaus and valleys and everything in between for just about everyone. I, I some of the overreaction to to stuff is wild. I mean, A and M's got a ton of talent on that roster. Jeffrey and I disagreed. Where did you feel on? whether Ole Miss was in better or worse shape, depending on which Tulsa quarterback was in the game today. Well, I'm going to tell you what now. Uh, I thought Bren was really good. He made a handful of really good throws. Now, he's more of a sitting duck back there. Yeah. But Darius Tennyson talked about how the, the – I can't think of his name. Is it uh, Baxton? Braxton. Braxton, I wouldn't say Baxton, but I knew that wasn't right. Braxton, uh, he was really athletic and slippery and uh, moved around, and he's a big, strong kid, and I thought they struggled with him. I don't know. I, they probably would have been better served with Bren being in there the whole game, but you know, I think he hurt his knee, and he tried to go, and he just couldn't. And the other kid came in and was a, a completely different kind of quarterback and gave him fits. You know, they had a hard time bringing him to the ground. I know nothing about them. I'd assume Montgomery handles most of their offense stuff because he's sort of known as is that guy at Tulsa. But and really interesting plan against a team that you're probably not beating to completely go off of script because they came in throwing throwing the ball almost seventy percent of the time and not even necessarily after just with Brand out. Even when he was in, they really dictated a lot of run game and. And, and up their, their run-pass situation there. And you wonder how much of that was what they had planned, what Ole Miss was showing, or frankly the fact that Ole Miss has struggled with downhill running games when it's coming right at kind of their front seven. Did you watch the Pete's Pigskin preview? I did, yes. Pete's kind of pointed out some of this, that yeah. you know when you, when you leave the box kind of, kind of empty, kind of thin, that they will run it. That yeah. if, if you – if you uh, if you show that hey we'll um, sorry I was trying to plug this computer up um, if you show that hey we're we're not going to populate the box they'll run at it and I thought that's what they did a lot today you know Ole Miss came out in a four one front they were trying to kind of 
Um, you know, Coleman didn't play, and so I think we're trying to, you know, kind of uh, try something different, throw a little different look at them. But they ran when I looked to me like, and I'll be curious to see what Pete says because he knows football far better than I do. When Ole Miss only put six in the box, they just ran at him every time. We were trying to get them, trying to get them out of that, you know, and um, weren't able to. They were able to run the ball with, with a, a certain degree of effectiveness, and I thought the kid was able to create some plays. Braxton was with this was able to create some throwing opportunities with his feet early in the game. I thought Tulsa had a really good plan offensively because they were they were moving the football with with uh, Bryn at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he made really good throws into that second level. He he was. Now, Ole Miss adapted and sort of shorted up after the first two series. I thought they made some adjustments and did some things, and Tulsa was going to bog down a little bit if that had been the way the game plan was going. But there's no doubt Brynn was an effective passer that was pulling that off. Did You mentioned a couple things. Did Lane give any clue at all regarding injuries or anybody today? Uh, a little bit. Um, Evans came out for a medical issue. I thought he looked like he got dinged, um, and he just couldn't couldn't go. Uh, he said that Coleman – he thought Coleman and Pegues would play next week. He indicated that Pegues probably could have played tonight, but they decided not to not to push it. Um, Caleb Warren's playing hurt, hit a point where he just couldn't go. Uh, you know, they moved Mason Brooks in at right guard, moved Acker center. I thought they were having trouble with the, the center snaps the whole game. I thought both teams did, actually. Um, yeah. Tulsa's offense was very disrupted by bad snaps. Um, that's all. You know, Lane's never going to go into a lot of detail. I think it's obvious he's frustrated with Jalen Robinson. Um, you know, and you and I talked about this when I was walking down to the field there at the end. Ole Miss has an issue at wide receiver, Chase. They're having a hard time finding receivers who can create um, – who can, who can get themselves open. Yeah, separation is the word I was looking for. They're having a hard time getting open. And um, that's a problem. I thought Dart played a pretty damn good game. You know, the only the only criticism that I would have of Jackson Dart, and he talked about it a little while ago, and I'll probably write about it in a little bit, either tonight or tomorrow morning. You know, Jackson is a, is a physical runner. His dad was a defensive back at Utah. I think he, I think he uh, considers himself a football player more than he does a quarterback. <laughs> and uh, and and yet, man, he's got to chill with some of that. Yeah, he 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 is not a prima donna. He's not worried about the looks of it. But at the same time, let's let's stop ducking our shoulder. Let's quit doing that. Yeah. Uh, that that's gonna get yeah, you I killed. Mean, the people that tried to the people that tried to paint him <laughs> like some California, you know, <laughs> skater boy. Man, I, hey, great effort, fellas. But you you absolutely missed it. I mean, that that is yeah. not who he is. Yeah, he is a a physical tough kid and frankly he's got to chill with some of it he just does i mean mm-hmm. he's 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 way too valuable i mean running is part of their deal it's part of the quarterback being able to run as a part of their offense but he's got to he's got to get down on the ground a little bit and and not take on the take on linebackers and dbs with his right shoulder that's that's got to be something and and he admitted that lane's talked to him about it he just competes Kind of like a, a certain other number two that came through here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to avoid that. Um, oh, I'm not saying he's, yeah, no, I'm I'm not know, saying he's corralled. But they have – I think he and Matt have very similar mentalities. They do. No, they they, they 100% do. Were, were you shocked by the number of design runs 
for him today? No, I, I think if defenses are going to give it to him, they're going to take it. It's free yards, but it's that deal where, you know, if, if they're going to give you 11 yards, well, take them. That's fine. But if you're gonna, if they're going to give you 11 yards, don't try to take 17. He's a he's a pretty good slider. You know, Corral had some pretty ugly slides. Didn't look like he was much of a baseball player. Dart Dart kind of had it pegged. I mean, he looked like he was going into second base there at the end of the game every time. He I, I wasn't worried he was going to stick a cleat in the in the thing and break an ankle. Yeah, I always thought Matt was going to just destroy his ankles and <laughs> knees when he when he slid. Uh, it, it's obvious that Jackson's played some baseball. Yeah, I think so. I don't I, I don't know that Matt ever I don't know that Matt ever played much baseball. I, I'm I'm not sure that if you put Matt in BP, he's making a hell of a lot of contact. That's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, look, it, it's talk with Jeffrey about this for a second, but he had to go pretty quickly, so I didn't go farther in depth into it. Dart. We talked all August about, hey, he's going to make these big plays and he's going to throw the ball to the other team. It's the exact opposite of what he did today. That dude won the football game with being pretty smart, with running the football, with not doing anything dumb. I mean, that was that was a really mature game from Jackson Dart today. It was. And Lane talked about this, too. Lane said, you know, look, this is not the way you wanted that game to play out. But at the end of the day, the objective is to win. And so they got kind of conservative in the second half, maybe too conservative. I mean, people went, why don't, why don't you open it up? Well, because you're trying to win. You're holding on to a lead. And, and, look, it got a little tenuous there in the fourth quarter. There's no way around that. And, again, a lot of credit to Tulsa for that. But, um, you know, they, 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 they weren't going to show everything. Lane said that. And then he kind of countered that with, look, you know, one of the things that you have to learn how to do is that when you have a team on the ropes, you've, you've got to go for the kill. And, you know, they've struggled with that a couple of times this year now against Troy and against Tulsa. But I know I'm jumping around. It's just the prim- the primary thought that, that crosses my mind is up 35 to 14, you can't tell me they didn't start thinking about Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And it burned them a little bit, but, you know, but they didn't lose the game. They held on, and I still maintain that we're what we're now on the watch for the. We're about to find out a whole lot about about Ole Miss. We're going to find out a whole lot about Ole Miss next week. We're going to find out a whole lot about Kentucky next week. It's like in the same way that we're finding out a whole lot about Texas A and M and Arkansas right now. I mean, when these teams start playing each other in these games that everybody's geeked up for, you learn a lot. And so we're going to learn a lot. And I, and I don't know. I mean, look, I, I've told you this for a while. If you told me Ole Miss goes 10-2, and two, I'm not shocked. If you tell me they go 6-6, six and six, I'm not shocked. Or anywhere in between. So, I mean, you know, it's a team that has flaws. It's a team that has strengths. Um, we're, we're going to start finding out a lot about these teams with, um, you know, these, these games coming up. We're starting with Kentucky on Saturday morning. I mean, like right now, right now Texas A&M is really playing well. I mean, you're seeing a team that has improved. It's a big week of practice for Ole Miss coming up. There's some stuff they've got to fix. I mean, they've got to tackle better. They've got to protect the quarterback better. They've got to create more disruption with the defensive line than they're doing. I mean, I think some of the coronation of the Ole Miss defensive line over the last couple of weeks in certain circles has been a little premature. They've still got work to do. Oh, they got a lot of work to do. It, it, this thing is offensive line and at least pass protection. This is defensive line, and this is wide receivers. 
I mean, they won a game today with some pretty good stuff on the back end at times with Dart and then Judkins, by God, just being really damn good and also being really smart. I mean, his balance to get that first down and not give Tulsa the ball back there at the end, maybe the damn most impressive run of the day, and it was a three-yard gain. You know, and he had a play where he fumbled the ball. Um, I had the binoculars on it. It was so funny because I was watching it live, and I was absolutely convinced that that he never caught it, that he was fumbling the ball. Mm-hmm. But apparently, they got apparently they got it right. You know, mm-hmm. he fumbled. See, if he goes in there and he scores, it's a totally different deal. The pressure's off. But again, I mean, I've said this I think three times now. Credit to Tulsa; they kept playing. You know, that's kind of who they are. That's their identity, and they've. They've been in some close games this year, and they've played really hard. And they played really hard today, and I think you gotta, I think you gotta give credit to them. It's uh, probably not the worst thing in the world that Ole Miss had a game where their heart rate went up for a minute. That was that's probably a good thing. No, <laughs> no, it, it's probably a good thing. Look, Lane said this. He said, you know, first half. Half was great. They'd come out and played another half in the second half like they did the first. <laughs> they might have had a hard time getting their attention this week. They won't have a hard time getting their attention this week. No. Uh, they'll, they'll be able to do it, you know, in, 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 uh, in the same way that, like I told you earlier today, we were joking around about it. I mean, for Kirby Smart, the manna from heaven today, that Kent State played them, that they struggled, that they were sloppy. After, you know, you tell a bunch of 19- and 20-year-old kids that, man, you guys might be the best team in the country. You guys might be the best team in the country in the last five years. You guys, no one can beat you. Mm-hmm. Well, they hear that. Not just media, but they hear it everywhere they go. And they're not only are they humans, they're young humans. And there's upsets in college football all the time. So I didn't think today was all bad. I didn't think today was all good. I just – it was a football game. And, you know, this team was – kind of do they needed to they needed to get challenged and they did today they fell behind early and they came charging back I mean at that point I kind of what I was thinking was wow you know down 14 to 7 they come score 28 unanswered points to kind of put the game away it says a lot about them and then in the second half they just bogged down offensively and they struggled a little bit defensively and Tulsa kind of found a little momentum and you know the rest but none of it matters now they're 4-0 Kentucky's going to be 4-0. Kentucky's going through the same exact thing that Ole Miss went through right now with Northern Illinois. But Kentucky's going to get to 4-0, and this is going to be a hell of a game on uh, on Saturday in Oxford. And uh, if Texas A&M holds on, I think there's at least a decent to really good chance maybe that game day comes here, that it's a big environment, all of that stuff. And I don't think they'll have any trouble at all with crowds with Kentucky, and, and that will even further prove my point, which is that fans are smarter now. And so we talked about this at the beginning, and um, I just think there's a lesson to these college athletics departments, administrators, that moving forward when these new deals get done, when these when, when Texas and OU join the league and you go to a nine-game conference schedule, that you need to keep that – power five game you need to limit the number of these games to one a season no more than two a season i just don't think you can fool the fans anymore yeah i think it's a it's a two-game list if a&m wins today it's clemson north carolina state and Ole miss kentucky 
and my my gut says Clemson, North Carolina State, but I mean, hell, I don't know. I don't know how they how they choose that. Um, yeah, just I, the way I, Clemson sorry, won today I, and all that. And I don't know what NC State's doing. I mean, the they, they, they probably are looking, probably looking to go to an ACC game. Um, I don't think it matters. Like I, I turned that show on today. I, I get that it is just kind of the kickoff to the college football season and stuff. I just – that is a brutal three-hour watch if you try to do it like that. <laughs> so, it's just not a good show. It's just not a good show. It's really not. It's a show that has outlived itself. The, the truth is the show on Fox is a better show. Oh, from a straight just game. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. It just doesn't have the cachet with fans. Um, no, it doesn't. Was that the worst scenario for everyone – in Auburn today, because Drinkwitz loses, so yeah. he's in terrible shape. And then Arkansas, I mean Auburn. There's nothing about that where they think they're good or they're worth a damn. But at the end of the day, they won the game and they're sitting there three and one when they go to bed tonight. Yeah, their fans were pissed off that they won because I think they saw a loss and they were going to get rid of him and get him out of there. They don't like him. They're not going to start like. So why don't you just fire him anyway? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's a great question. I mean, I don't. I mean, if it's me and I'm them, I just finish the season with him and, and I move on at the end of the year and, and go hire Kevin Steele because that's who they wanted to hire in the first damn place. And then they're going to lose but, then too. That's dumb. Oh, I know. Well, I mean, hey, look, they are they are dysfunctional right now. They're the most dysfunctional team in the SEC West. Yeah. It's not close. No, it's not close at all. Dysfunctional program. Program. They're the most dysfunctional program in the West. Every other program in the West at least has something positive going for it. An identity. Auburn's identity is, is chaos. They're a soap opera. They're young and the restless. Um, I mean, they, he... they win that game today. The, the kicker misses a field goal. The, the kid fumbles inside the one. And then, you know, Harson talks about it like, oh, yeah, you know, we just persevered. It's like, no, you didn't. Shut up. And the then kid he said the easy field goal. He said the biggest problem was the outside noise and implied that the media and the fans were the problem. No, the boosters are the problem. Yes. The media is not the problem. The fans aren't the problem. He's not the problem. The boosters are the problem. He took a job that the, peop- the people – that control the purse strings there didn't want him to get. Yeah. And they fired, they ran the AD off, and now they're in the process of running him off. And, I mean, they get LSU at home. I don't think they, I don't know, maybe they beat LSU, maybe they don't. Maybe it's just, it's just a one week at a time thing. If they're waiting, then they have to go to Georgia. And by the time they get to Oxford, he won't be here. But there's no reason to fire I don't, him. I don't, no, no, there's no reason to fire him, but I think they're going to. And I don't know. I mean, but to, to, I don't know who you're hiring. Did he catch that? No, out of bounds. Okay. He caught it, but he was out of bounds. Yeah. I mean, A&M had second and 30 a second ago and picked it up. Um, oh, they just, they've really played. A&M's played really well since the Jefferson play. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of oh, is a legal procedure. A lot of uh, a lot of credit to, to Jimbo. I mean, it's like people writing them off. It's like they, there's a lot of talent on that team. Got to be careful. And then Miami today looked terrible against Middle Tennessee. 
Well, and Van Dyke got pulled, which tells me that what you and I talked about yeah. over the course of the week, we got it right, that something was wrong. Mm-hmm. I just didn't think the ball came out of his hands in College Station very well. I said this before I got you on. I mean, college football is goofy in the way that just take it week by week for everybody. Just win the game and move on and worry about the next one because everything is so emotion and matchup based in this sport compared to everything else. I mean, you look at – I mean, Michigan State got absolutely trucked today by Minnesota. Just trucked. Hey, credit to Nick Suss. Nick Suss before the season said Minnesota was a 10-win team. Did he really? And the reason he and the reason he gave was that Minnesota's full of a bunch of twenty four year old kids. They've got like more six year COVID seniors than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I mean, hey, credit to Nick. I think he's right. I think Minnesota's going to win ten games. Fleck is not a bad football coach. No, Fleck's I mean, he, a really good. Coach. I know he had the, the weird one year. Was season. it during COVID or the other one? What, what, what year it was, was the that? weird COVID year? Okay, COVID. 23 to 14 a and m now 348 to go in the third yeah they had the they had the weird covid year but you know like penn state had a bad covid year indiana had a great covid year i think we the one thing i think you could take from the covid year is that you can't take anything from the covid year mm-hmm. but it was such a weird year that you almost have to just throw it out it's also what elevated um a&m I mean, they went nine and one or whatever. It did. It got it, it got people to think that oh, here they come. It turns out, well, no, they just sort of maybe navigated COVID or better than everybody else. So they navigated some of the weirdness better than everybody else. Um, sorry, I just told my daughter good night. Um, I heard. Yeah. <laughs> it is a it is eight thirty. It's her bedtime, probably. It, it is. Well, they they gotten out. That's of the house. her. That's yeah. her bedtime. And meanwhile, mine are in Arlington. Still, they are not God at the game. Knows how much. No, they're there. Oh, they're actually still at the game. They're there. Oh, they're there. Yeah, they're there. And the family text is pretty funny. Um, Third quarter made it through. I'm impressed. It's indoors. Again. All right. If you put a dome on on Vaughn Hemingway today, the kids would have stayed. It was hot. I'm not. The people criticizing the students, they're wrong. Yeah. I'm sorry. They're, They're wrong. They put the kids in the the Ole Miss kids in the absolute hottest part of that stadium, and made it where for them to get in, they've got to go an hour early. And it was brutal at two thirty, three o'clock. I mean, I was there. I got to the stadium at two o'clock, and when I went, when I got to my seat, I looked over there, and they're all fanning themselves. I mean, come on, man. I mean. You want the students to stick stick around? I mean, you got to give them something. You stick them right in the middle of the heat. Mm-hmm. It was hot. Uh, I've probably got a little more work today. I'll let you go after this. Tennessee, Florida. What's your takeaway? Uh, a little pissed about the late cover. Um, that, was, that was glorious. Glorious. Yeah, I didn't, I mean, I didn't just like that. Good God. I, I mean... I think what you I think what you saw though all jokes aside about our stupid little meals pick deal. Um, I think what you saw is that it's two programs that are in pretty good shape. Two programs that have pretty good coaches at the helm. Tennessee excited. Um, Tennessee is pretty optimistic about where it's going as a program, and 
I, I think the people who will tell you that Billy Napier is going to do a good job at Florida, I think they point it today and go, see? Because they could have they could have kind of gotten blown out there today, and they didn't do it. They just they figured out ways. And it's two programs that are recruiting well. And, um, look, the league's, the league's tough, and the league's only going to get tougher. It's it's going to be a wake up call for our boys in Austin. I'll tell you that they're in they're in for a wake up call. What they saw in, in Lubbock today, you get that six seven times a year in the SEC. Yeah, I, I really shed a tear for them today when they had a hard time in, in, in Lubbock. That was that was that was a tough day. I know you did. Yeah, I know, <laughs> just awful. Uh, now look, college football is a head coach and quarterback sport, and. Hooker was the better quarterback, yeah. and Tennessee won the game because of that today. Richardson was fine. Hendon right? has Hendon has played really well this year. He has. He's had a really good season. He's had a really good season. He's a good quarterback, and uh, they've got a good scheme built around that they use that he fits into, and, and he's played well. It I mean, will be a disappointment if they don't go 10-2. Yeah. Yeah. Their game October the 15th against Alabama is going to be fascinating. Yeah. Because it's a free shot for them if they'll take care of business. And who knows? I keep thinking somebody is going to get Alabama this year um, at home. You know, whether it's – Yeah, I think they lose Whether it's Tennessee or – you know, there's four of them. they got to go to Fayetteville, Knoxville, Oxford, and Baton Rouge. And it just feels like one of those bites up and gets them maybe. Mm-hmm. Seeing here on the stream, a running back What's from Kentucky it? is hurt. Who is it? Is it Smoke? Um, yeah, I don't know. Probably yeah. Smoke. Okay. It's a big drive right here for Arkansas, and you got to at least get three. Or it feels like this one gets out of control for them. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, you got a column. This is a up. good uniform game, by the way. This is a good yeah. I got a column game. up. I've got a. I've got a note. Yeah, this is a really good uniform game. I um, like this Arkansas, Arkansas white make, thing. This is good. They should make this their permanent road. Yeah, they should go with the white helmet on the road and the red helmet at home. This is a good look. And A&M's, when A&M just goes basic like this, this is a really good, solid home look for them. I'm not used I have to, no, I mean, I'm, I'm not used to this Arkansas helmet, but I'm not, I, I think I like it better than the, than, than the red helmet, period. Um, I like it better with the white. I don't okay. mind their red helmet with the red jersey. Okay. I think I think, but I think they've stumbled on something in trying to do something gimmicky. I think they've stumbled on a really good. This they should make this their road uniform. This is a good. People make fun of us when we do this. This is a good suit. It is a good suit. It's a really good suit. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah should have caught that. Okay. Uh, I'm a play behind you because of my streaming. So. Well, KJ's doing that thing. Where, Jefferson's doing that thing where he's uh, he's a beat late on his throws. Mm-hmm. That's that's just the that's just who he is. It'd be interesting to see this offense if you had a quarterback who was almost as physical as he was, but was a little bit more effective in the passing game in terms of from a timing standpoint. I think it'd be pretty dangerous. Ole Miss has got a while before they get to it, but you know we talk about matchups. I think they actually match up with Kentucky pretty well on Saturday, relatively. Arkansas is that weird one because if they tackle like they did today, Jefferson will be a hell of a load. They've got to tackle. Yeah. Um, and that was an, it's maybe an anomaly. It's one week, but we'll see. 
I think Ole Miss and Kentucky, we'll talk about this all week. I think it's a cool matchup because I think I think both teams do some things well that the other doesn't do well. I think it's going to be a really good football game. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think it's going to be a really entertaining football game. And, um, I mean, I kind of think Ole Miss is going to win it. I really do. I've told you that for a while. But I think it's going to be a hell of an entertaining game. Yeah, yeah. NC State currently thirty-one to three over UConn. So that's where yeah, I saw that. Um, anyway, all right. Call them up. Uh, saw some notes, observations, and uh, whatever is uh, is left. So enjoy that. We'll uh, be back Monday morning. Okay. Right. See you, Chase. Later. Was Neil McCready with us? Appreciate his time again. Pretty had a full day there. He was at the game and then talking to us for a little while. Yeah, we, we will we will have plenty of Ole Miss Kentucky over the course of the week. We'll be, we'll talk about Ole Miss Kentucky so much that all of you guys will be tired of that at that point. Real gear, thanks for the uh, the super chat. Says um, there's an argument in the thread today about game planning for games like Tulsa. What kind of game planning is there and what good is vanilla if you lose? Yeah, I mean of course, you've got to win the game. And I think it's more of you're, you you script and then you kind of are vanilla unless you need to not be vanilla is, I think, the way you I would play that out. Um, you know, look, yeah, if it gets down to it, you got to do whatever the hell you got to do to win. I mean, that's by far the most important thing. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, I, I, I don't think Ole Miss was in some situation where they were trying to show everything prior to Kentucky next week for for sure. I just don't. Yeah, I mean. Vanilla's no good if you, if you lose. That's damn, very, very, very true. But Ole Miss has been careful the whole time. I mean, I told you, I was talking to people around the program who said that basically they saw how bad Georgia Tech was and then kind of stopped and said, okay, that there's no reason to even run some of these things that were, that were there. I know that they... they they didn't get out of it, but it's also what would worry you a little bit. And, yeah, it's like what Colonel Reb says here, but I was sure it's vanilla. When the wide receivers didn't get a lot of separation and they missed on a couple deep balls, and then Tulsa took away the running backs to the edges because they just swarmed on them the way they did. Well, I mean, it kind of was – they got into a little bit of a mess schematically at that point. I mean, yeah, it wasn't even necessarily, hey, they could have done this and done this and whatever. And, yes, they did get conservative, but it was more conservative on we've got to lead, the defense is playing, whatever. Just don't do anything that's overly dumb at that point. Um, but I give Tulsa a lot of credit. I thought I thought defensively Tulsa played really well from a scheme standpoint. I thought they I thought they did the only thing they could do to set up some matchups there that would give them a chance. I mean, I guess that's the way to put it. I really did. I mean, I thought, I thought that whole thing was set up in the way that would – potentially keep them in the game because if they don't kind of do what they did I mean Judkins ran for 140 he would run for 220 and then they just grind you and run you out of the game and they got lucky I mean Judkins fumbles down there Ole Miss had some dumb stuff at different points yeah Mingo and he drop balls that probably lead to points if they catch them it was it was a little perfect stormy I mean Ole Miss has got to be sharper next week Ole Miss has got to be better but there's a lot of stuff to that for sure. 
662-259. I said that just as a call is coming in. Who do we have on? Hey, it's Steve in Greenville. Hey, Steve. How's up? All right. Hey, a uh, quick question. Sure. We're going to Tulane next year. Mm-hmm. And that'll make us three out of the last four times we've played Tulane. We have gone down there three times. Okay. What's, what's up with that? I mean, that's like something a mid-American conference team would do with us. Because why do you need to play Tulane in Oxford when you can give your fans a trip to New Orleans instead? Uh, they want to go to New Orleans, go to the Sugar Bowl. Well, I mean, I mean, but I mean, seriously, you ask. I mean, you're you're probably asking the wrong person because I'm the person that says if you're gonna play a non-conference road game that's not like a Power Five really cool matchup, I tell Tulane I'll just come down there. You you send a ton of people down there. The fan base likes doing it. Pick it on the year that you're not already going to Baton Rouge. And just go do that. I mean, I, but that's the reason. I mean, if, you, if you're scheduling home games, Tulane is not sexy at all. There's nothing about t- playing Tulane at home that is interesting. Play anybody else for the most part. But if you're going to go play a group of five teams somewhere, it might as well be Tulane. Uh, I mean, that's kind of – I mean, I would. I mean, I, I think the fan base would rather do that than go play at Memphis or at South Alabama or do some home-and-home home with somebody like that. I mean, yeah, you're much better off doing it with. Well, that's a good point from Zarek too. You don't have to pay them. You go down there mm-hmm. and they pay you, or you do whatever you do, and you're already going to do it with somebody anyway. Because you could, you can stack it where you have, you know, the home game against the Power Five, so you get the best of both worlds. You're 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 not going to play eight home games in a season. It's a too expensive, and the fan base is not going to show up eight times. So you want seven home games. So on the year where you've got the Power 5 extra game, like Georgia Tech or or Wake Forest or whomever, play them at home and then go to Tulane for the one road game. It's sort of just kind of – it's a a schedule even out thing. Um, I mean, frankly, in a few years, Ole Miss is doing it with South Al. I would – I think Tulane makes more sense than South Al. But right or wrong, that is the reason for it is they are are providing what they believe to be a trip that the fan base wants without sacrificing – the quality of the home schedule for that season. All right. Just thought yep. I'd ask. That's Thanks. it. Bye. No problem. Yeah, everybody's aware of my partiality to New Orleans, so I'm not, I'm, I'm a bad person to, 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 to take that side of the argument with. Yeah, you get a home game with somebody else. Yeah, played him at home last year, but that is that's. But but he's right because there wasn't a there wasn't a home trip in the in that. Would they play him in twenty ten and twenty twelve? Is that right? Where was there a Tulane home game in any of that point? I don't think so. So I think it was just the two road games. Third quarter running out, A&M set to punt, still up 23-14 on Arkansas. Um, Memphis Rebel says, expect some hurt feelings as we can practice. Uh, he he's definitely has enough to get their attention. I mean, was this his, his tell the truth Monday or whatever it is? I mean, or that's there, there's ammunition in that film. Much more than had they won 49 to whatever. I mean, there's no doubt about that. 
Yeah, it was the Dome both times in 10 and 12. It's going to be a little tougher ticket. I mean, Tulane has that schedule. I mean, sorry, that schedule. I was reading the, the, the comment below it. They've got that stadium on campus now that it's pretty good. But it's going to be a little harder ticket. It's a, it's a small stadium. Ole Miss is used to being able to take as many people as they wanted. Tulane is going to show up at home for Tulane currently losing 20-17 to to Will Hall and Southern Miss at that stadium in the fourth quarter. Yeah, schedule FAU. Go to Boca. It's fine. Look, it's they've done a much better job with scheduling. You'd much rather do that than do the at Memphis or some home and home along those standpoints. Yeah, you know, make it a trip. Yes, 2012 was when Bo hurt his shoulder. He dropped it and was trying to run over a linebacker. That is correct. Uh, I don't know that I. I like Lafayette, but I don't think it makes a lot of sense to play a road game there. I, I don't think that's enough of a destination for any reason. I think even Mobile makes more sense than Lafayette from, from that standpoint. I mean, you know, you guys know that have been around my partiality to French Press and the brunch place down there, but no, I don't I don't think that makes sense for a football game. Yeah, there's just not a lot to do. It's there's a little bit of a neat downtown, there's a couple of good restaurants, but that's not some destination. It could be wrong. We'll have a lot more written coverage to you this week, too. Planning some different stuff with it being the first SEC game, being the first true game of the season now after Ole Miss gets to 4-0. and Yeah, I mean, Tampa and South Florida is fine. Go play UCF, give them Disney World, whatever. I mean, there's not going to be a ton of those anyway, but I do think when you have them, you shouldn't waste them, I guess is the point. I wouldn't want to... Wouldn't want to do a group of five road game every year because you're. It's only every other year anyway, because you've got the Power Five game on the road every other year probably, so you're not going to do two out of conference road games. But when the road game is at home for the Power Five, or the Power Five game is at home, sorry, yeah, you've got to pick a road game somehow. So you either need a second game at some neutral site, or you need just a group of five road game and. There's places that make sense. Just, just, just don't waste them. Don't go to Middle Tennessee, or don't go to Memphis, or Arkansas State, or Western Kentucky. I mean, pick something that you know. Almost goes to UConn one year. I mean, I don't love it, but whatever. And I don't. And actually, honestly, I don't think that game's going to happen. I'll be a little surprised if Ole Miss actually does that UConn trip. Memphis Rebel is a good point. They're adding an extra conference game, so you're losing one of these games soon. So this this could all be a moot point in, in some ways. But you will have some years where that extra home game, that extra conference game is a home game, and if it links up with your Power 5 as a home game too, I still think you, you will need some of these road games. In the fourth quarter now in college, or in Dallas, A&M leading 23-14 still. Arkansas with the uh, with the ball on their own 33 at the moment. 
Again, I'm probably a play behind most of you guys because I'm streaming the game. All right, getting close to a couple hours here. Again, hotline's still open if anybody wants to uh, to call. I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's pods. I think they're doing 18 divisions. Another or scrapping divisions overall. Sorry, I, I think I think divisions are just gone to some extent. Um, but no, I, I don't anticipate the fourteen pod thing. At least from the standpoint, there might be some scheduling, you know, because I, the way the scheduling model works, it's three permanents and then six rotating. So, you know, for Ole Miss, I think the model was Mississippi State, LSU, Vanderbilt. So you'll play those three every year, and then you'll rotate the other six. And then that opens it up where every two years you play every team. And over a four-year period, you're home and away with every team. I mean, because right now that's a 12-year period to get home and away. So even though they've added one game and added two teams, you're doing a whole lot more of playing everybody more often. So you're going to play Florida every two years. You're going to play Texas every two years. Oklahoma every two years. Georgia every two years. But then you're also – the sacrifice is Arkansas and A&M. You're not going to play every year. You're going to only play them every other year now. So, I mean, it's, look, there's a change, but I like the schedule. I mean, the, the, the 3-6 model makes a ton of sense to me. I get that some teams are losing some rivalry games or games they really, really like, but I think it makes sense. To me, it's more interesting. Because it is a little, I mean, you're, you're in the same conference, but you hardly ever play Tennessee. Hard to play Kentucky, Florida. Yes, I mean, Benny's right. All the schedules are going to be rearranged when Texas and Oklahoma get there. Definitely, Arkansas got too cute there. You're right, Colonel Rob. All right, last call, 662-259-7556. If you want to make a phone call, go ahead and get that in. And just like that, one does come in. Who's on the line? Yep, hey, it's Mark again. Yeah. Um, I figured I would call since uh, nobody else was, was calling in. So... Is it me or has DJ Jerkins' defense to Texas A&M looked really, really good tonight, minus the first two drives from Arkansas? Yeah, and I think I, I mean, frankly, I thought they've been pretty good all year. I mean, I'm not going to pin him on the app, on the App State thing. They only gave up how many ever points, and their their yeah, offense like, couldn't move. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean was, he's he's been good. I mean, yeah. it it was the right move for DJ from the standpoint of he gets that extra job where he shows that he's I'm using quotes rehabilitated. And he goes to a place where you put another, you know, he showed the rebuild, showed he got Ole Miss into the top 50 or whatever it was, and then now you try to go to A&M and you try to have a top defense. And when you do that, probably gets another head coaching job. I mean, I think it's very, I think it's very likely Durkin's a head coach in 2024, something like that. So, yeah, so, no, it's been good. And this, is, this is completely hypothetical, but say – Say Kiffin gets a, an NFL job. Would you rather have Durkin or Levy as a head coach? Uh, Durkin, not close. Why is that? Uh, I mean, 
experience. Um, I mean, you know. But everything's so offensive oriented now in the SEC. I mean, I mean, granted, he can hire an offensive guru to come in and and do whatever. But but take Durkin over over Levy. I mean, I think you can hire a coordinator. I mean, I don't think you have to have an offensive coach to win. I mean, look at Saban and Smart, and I get they have talent, but you know what I mean. True. I, mean, I, I don't think. Yeah. I don't think that's required. No, I think it's very important to have an offensive person and to have an identity that has a lot of continuity to it. Alabama's done a good job with that since Kiffin of doing it that way. But, no, I mean, I think the head coach needs to be a a campaigner, an organizer, preferably really good at one side of the ball or the other, and then adaptable to hiring a staff that makes sense to set a certain culture over a number of years. I mean, at the college level, that's what this thing's about. I mean, it's a head coach sport, but it's about establishing identity and attitude and culture and putting year over year over year with that where it is a known quantity when people come into your program that that's what's going on. I mean, that's the key. And I say, I mean, I do. I, th- I think Durkin's a really good football coach. Um, and I think there would I mean, be – Yeah, I can't it's, complain. It's, it's, it's not that Levy will not be a good head coach one day. But I think you have a lot more of a certainty with Durkin on you know kind of exactly what you probably could feel like that looks like moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, we saw last year with um, going to have the Tennessee game at going going forward. I mean, well, I mean, Grant, we got Mark Robinson more involved. I mean, under this is like the first, I think this is the first game we've held opponents or the opponents have scored more than what twenty one points in like the past like eight games. Yeah, I guess something it's, like that. I guess it's since whatever. Yeah, last year, I guess Arkansas. I mean, that's a well. I think Tennessee scored one twenty-one, but, but still, oh, yeah, I mean, week, that's yeah. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty, pretty good stat considering where Ole Miss was defensively. I mean, you're talking about Westman Riff talking about fits and, and eye discipline, and and that was 2019. And here we here we're talking two years later, and we're a top fifty, dare I say, defense. I mean, you got to give credit where credit's due there. From a Durkin standpoint, it's simply about him being modern enough as offenses continue to adapt. And if you think that his defenses have the flexibility to do that and that he's not going to get stuck where he ends up being some defensive version of Chip Kelly or Rich Rodriguez or somebody, maybe even Jimbo to a point, yeah. then, yeah, I think you're, you're, you're good there. I mean, I, I think in some ways I think Durkin would make a lot of sense. So what do you think happens with, with Jimbo? I mean, I know talent at the end of the day typically typically wins out, but I mean, is there a point where I mean, just you're kind of you're not adapt for talent that doesn't really matter? Well, it depends how good your talent is, I guess. Um, I mean, sure to a point for 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 sure, um, but. I do think his lack of whatever is going to cost him games. Yes, I, I think that is true. Um, I mean, I, I say this too. So, I mean, there were several times now I've seen Max Johnson like take off and run. I mean, you didn't see that with King and Ains. King is obviously the better athlete. I mean, Hank, I mean, Max Johnson not like Haynes had Manning a hesitancy a statue back there, but Haynes was hesitant to run. There's no doubt about that. He 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 had he was gun shy for some reason in that realm but they didn't do anything to scheme him into the running game to loosen him up. Does that make sense? 
Like, yes, he, he, oh, yeah, it, it was his own fault. Yeah. He didn't take off. But even like, you know, Dart today, Lane did a lot, or Weiss or whomever, did a lot of design runs and things to open that up and sort of free it. And A&M didn't. It was just handed off and sit back there and, hey, if there's a spot, take it. But when he wasn't taking it, and by, taking and it, they did the nothing way, to that, the issue. And by the way, extremely dangerous. I don't know that I would want to to do that 20. I mean, Dart ran, what, 11, 12 times for 116 or whatever? Yeah. I mean, I get it. I mean, I wouldn't have done that against Tulsa, but if you have to do that to win against Kentucky, I mean, I, I kind of get it. But to me, at the end of the day, that's not going to end up winning. That's gonna, not going to be beneficial for you long term. Right. No. That's going to get you hurt. Yeah. I mean, I mean, your backup quarter. I mean, your backup. I mean, Altmaier and Dart. I mean, okay, Dart's kind of better arm. I mean, as far as like speed and athleticism, Dart's probably a little bit better. But I mean, kind of splitting hairs in my opinion. But. You get past those two, I mean, there's, I mean, you got King K. Den. I mean, he pretty much is a statue. No, it takes a certain type of quarterback, but it is also the type of quarterback that operates the best in this scheme in this offense. Yeah. It, it's frankly almost required at this point. So. All right, well, I'll let y'all go. I'm watching the rest of this uh, A&M Arkansas game. Y'all have a good okay. night. Thank you. Yeah, look, I mean, Kiffin can scheme quarterbacks that don't run like that, but I am sort of used to seeing it. I mean, the way it goes, it does seem to operate the best. Well, they get the first down, first and goal here for uh, for Arkansas. Ten minutes to go. Uh, Over-under for Kentucky? Nah, higher than 50. Um... 56, maybe? If Luke wants to transfer, he will definitely have options. I mean, I don't know what all, but yeah, I know, mean, he can play somewhere. Touchdown, Arkansas. So the Razorbacks cut this to one possession with about 10 minutes to go, shaping up for a good end here. Yeah, anything low 50s would be a little low for me. I would expect something a touch higher on an over-under for, for Kentucky. Twenty three twenty one Aggies. Again, 10.05 to go. A&M up by two. Um, John Rice has in football, so he played in 19, 20 didn't count. 21-22. So he has one year left after this. John Rice can come back and play next year. Yeah, he ran right in. 23-21 Arkansas. Iowa Rutgers hit the over, Denny tells us. There's a win for you. Took Iowa scoring a lot of points for them, but they got it there. Yeah, there are offenses that would suit. Luke's not a bad runner. I mean, he's not as physical as Jackson, but he can move his feet. He can at least get around in the pocket, gets outside the pocket a little bit. It's not it's not awful there. That's okay.
Well, last call, not getting anything on the hotline. Again, 662-259-7556. Normal week of podcasts. Again, look, as I was saying a second ago before we got the call in, um, a little more written content this week. Got Kentucky coming up, so we'll hit some things harder. That, frankly, we sort of had planned, or I had planned for SEC games anyway, but this is the first one, and it feels like quite the, the, the big one there. So more coverage even than you're used to. Normal podcast week. A um, couple different extra potential interviews or shows coming up that I've either got scheduled or are potentially on the horizon for this week as well. 11 o'clock, Saturday, Kentucky and Ole Miss. Again, Ole Miss knocking off Tulsa 35-27 today. They got the win. 4-0, that was the point. We'll see what some of the injuries are. It didn't sound like any of them are that terrible. Given that Lane doesn't say much, it seems like at least there's some optimism around most of the guys who uh, who got hurt in that one. So 35-27, appreciate Jeffrey, Neil, Brian for uh, coming on with us, giving us time. Uh, yeah, it... Redick, I, I, you know, you know. Typically, if it's a coin flip, I'd rather A and M lose because that's much more fun on the internet. Um, multiple websites that I can peruse after an A and M loss, so that's a that's an easy way to get going with uh, with that one. So appreciate all you guys hanging in tonight. We'll uh, we'll chop it right there again. Ole Miss thirty five, Tulsa twenty seven here on uh, this Saturday night. Again, Ole Miss getting to four and First time since I guess two thousand fifteen for that one. So. For Neil, for Jeffrey, for Brian, and everybody who's uh, hung in with me, we'll be back next week, just a few minutes after the end of the game, Ole Miss and Kentucky, the huge one finally getting here. So appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you again very soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.